You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and on this episode, we are talking about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm joined by two special guests. Uh, first is my friend and frequent guest on this show, and someone I love talking movies with. It's Ken Walker. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back and uh, excited to talk about this movie. Uh, yes, me too. But uh, we are not alone because we are also joined. Uh, joining our squad is someone making his third appearance on this show. Uh, someone I also love talking movies with. It's Mark Warner. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me back. Love coming on. Yeah, thank you. For this kind of last minute they asked you to do this. So thank you for uh, making it on. I'm very excited for us all to talk about this. I was <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> I talk about so many, like, I've talked about so many different kinds of movies, like started with horror, then moved on to prestige gangster. Now I'm at action blockbuster. Like, you cannot pigeonhole me on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, I was going to ask you, are you okay? Because this is your first time talking a non-2006 movie. I just want to make sure that you're okay. <laughs> uh yeah, I'll be fine. Um, yeah. Hey, quickly, can I tell you guys about the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we're, we're 15 years out of your comfort zone, so. <laughs> da Vinci Code, it's a good movie. Okay, there, I got my 2006 okay, talk out of the way. Okay, good. I just didn't want to break that streak. When we did this, I was like, oh, my God, Mark's breaking his 2006 streak. Because I won't say what it is, but me, you, and Hayden Gilbert, who was on for the Village episode, uh, people are listening to that one, we are going to do an episode coming up soon with a double feature that I still can't believe we're doing. And one of those is an 06 movie. But <laughs> like, I'm like, we got to keep Mark's uh, 06 streak alive here. So <laughs> it's fine. You got to branch out eventually. So true. Well, well, you got to talk about the greatest 2006 movie, movie of all time, which is, of course, the Steve Martin Pink Panther. And how do I end the call? Oh, <laughs> 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 Well, was, you know, I actually really liked that movie when it came out, but I was like a 12 or 13 year old idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I had already seen the Peter Sellers ones by the time that came out. So even as an immature high school student, I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was 06. Yep. Yep. Wow. Man. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, don't say he's long given up on acting since then, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume so. Um so, yeah, so we're talking about the new Suicide Squad that just came out. This is very fresh. I only got to watch it once, unfortunately. I wanted to watch it twice. But, uh, um, but yeah, before we even get into to the new movie, I do want to ask both you guys, and I'll start with you, Ken. I want your thoughts on um, the David Ayer Suicide Squad from what you both just told me. I was shocked five years ago. I didn't think it was that long. I was like, it was like three years ago, right? Um, so, yeah, what, are your, what, what did you think of that version of Suicide Squad, Ken? 
So I remember I actually came out of the movie theater like that was awesome. I thought it was great. But like as it like sat with me a little longer, I was sort of like, huh, you know what? Maybe that wasn't so great. And what I thought, but what I what I thought was really weird was a ton of people were talking about how, and I I, th- I feel like I, I'm still in the minority on this, but a lot of people were talking about how they thought it was worse than Batman v Superman. And I think compared to the theatrical cut of BVS, I think suicide, the, the first Suicide Squad is at least better than that. But um, overall, it's just, I mean, Joker is totally wasted. Jared Leto was a dick on set for no, for no good reason. <laughs> Um, the best parts of that movie, uh, um, uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, Will Smith as Deadshot, Mar- obviously Margot Robbie, and I think J- Jai Courtney is one of the better parts of that movie. But aside from that, it's um, it's weak. It's got your typical comic book movie sky beam. That's your big MacGuffin. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that's it's just generic and sort of, sort of forgettable, really. Fair, fair. Um, and uh, Mark, what about you? What are your thoughts on the David Ayer Suicide Squad? <laughs> First off, I mentioned this uh, pre-recording, but I'll go ahead and say it for the listeners. I am actually watching that on my TV in mute as we record this episode because uh, I, I, I don't know. I need I need something in the background to feel like I'm not living in a dead space. Anyway, you were <laughs> talking about Suicide Squad as uh, Jared Leto's on screen asking Common to fuck Margot Robbie. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! This fucking movie. Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I never, I, I was really fu- like everyone. I assume, especially when that Bohemian Rhapsody trailer came out, I was pumped yep. for this movie. Yep. I thought it looked awesome, <laughs> and then it came out, and I saw it, and uh, yeah, that's that. Didn't much uh, <laughs> think about it after that. I've attempted to watch it a couple times, and. Uh, always zone out the second they get into the city it's uh more than most things it's just a very boring movie i feel like yeah but which should not be a boring I, movie. <laughs> I will agree with ken in that um obviously margot robbie viola davis and jai courtney are all strong points of that movie mm-hmm. yeah I'm, i would agree with both of you on that one yeah <laughs> i'm sad that uh will smith didn't return for this well we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into that i mean <laughs> They basically, I think it's hilarious. I mean, I'll go ahead and bring this up since we're on the subject, but they essentially got another, they, they got dead, dead shot part two in Bloodsport. In Bloodsport, like, yeah. It's literally another black assassin who hits bullseyes and has daughter troubles. It's essentially the same character, just. Yeah. It's it and yeah. James Gunn, who's like known for making jokes in his movies, does not no joke is ever made about that, which is kind of odd to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matt, true. Yes. Be- before I make a point, I, I want to like make a point about another typical James Gunn thing, but uh, Matt, uh, yeah. What, what were your thoughts on the 2016 suicide squad? Uh, I think it's telling that both of you really didn't have much to say about it because it's a pretty forgettable movie. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I don't know. I was excited for it too. Um, because I like David Ayer's stuff usually, and I thought the cast looked really good. And I was that one trailer you mentioned uh, with Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that sold a lot of people. I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be good. Yeah. And uh, no, didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. I thought I remember 
I think I tried to write something for that movie. I don't remember why. Like, I was trying to write, like, reviews at the time, and I feel like I wrote one for that. And I remember I felt like I pointed out the only scene I felt, like, really hit on what the movie was trying to do was a scene where they're kind of, like, some of the the group, the team is, like, in a, like, bar in the middle in the of bar. chaos. And I thought like that's the only scene that kind of hit on what they were actually trying to do and, like, them bonding and... um yeah, and all the people you mentioned, people I would call out as good, Margot Robbie, Will Smith, Jai Courtney, surprisingly, because I don't like Jai Courtney that much, but I thought he was good as Captain Boomerang, um, and uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. I uh, can't even think of anybody else. That it, really remember El out. Diablo? Because I completely forgot that he was a character in this <laughs> movie. <laughs> you said something. popped up on the he, screen a moment he ago. Has the, he has that big heroic moment at the end, um, but aside from that, yeah, very forgettable. Um <laughs> One thing I, I want to say real quick about the last movie, uh, well, two things. We were talking about how forgettable it is. I just think, yeah, it's just one of those superhero movies where the big MacGuffin is the sky beam. How many of those have we seen? Um, right, right. But <laughs> that's a big problem. I want to ask you guys this. We know he really wasn't that good in the role, obviously. But I remember a lot of people were pissed off when that first public image was put out of Jared Leto as the Joker, you know, screaming with his hands on his face and all the tattoos. I saw that image and I thought, I think it looks kind of cool. I'm glad they're not just doing the Heath Ledger thing again. What did you guys think when you first saw that image of him? Mark, you want to go first on that one? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, yeah, I was sold. I mean, again, I was basing this more on my love of David Ayer because I'd been a fan of his before. So I was excited to see what he'd do with it. And so I was just like, you know what? He's doing something interesting with this character. I am. I will wait and see the movie before I make any judgment, but I'm intrigued. I was definitely intrigued. Mm, uh, and then you were let down. <laughs> yeah. You were <laughs> let down. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll log off. Uh, like, <laughs> you guys can keep talking without me. Uh, no, um, that, uh, that image actually gave me pause i feel like where i saw him with the face tattoos i was like and the oh, grill the grill i was like oh no um i remember it was i feel like at the time this is a very weird aside but uh my boss at my last job um was super obsessed with jared leto like in love with jared leto uh her and her son constantly went to 30 seconds to mars concerts and paid for like vip um sessions and meet and greets and uh so I remember like that image came out and she was like, oh, my God, look, Tara Leto was Joker. And she was so excited about it. I remember like having to like lie to her face and said it looked cool because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get her bad side. Um, very temperamental woman. Um, but I was like, yeah, it looks really cool. Great. I walked out like, Ay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh oh. And um, yeah, just constantly to lie about how much I like Tara Leto. My <laughs> Did your was... boss and her uh, kid go to that uh 30 seconds to Mars Island cult getaway I thing, whatever it was. I know that she did not take her son. She may have gone alone. I don't, I haven't kept tabs on her, but uh, I feel like she Matt, Matt is this the boss that you and I both had? No, no, this is before the job that I currently had. This is, oh, before, okay. yeah, uh, my last place of business, I'll say. And uh, okay, she, um, uh, yeah, she, I feel like she would have gone to Jerry Leto's weird cult uh, island thing. Um, and loved it, but I don't know how I'm sure it was so expensive. It's probably insane. Wasn't that, did he come out of that place not knowing about COVID like in 2020? Didn't he like was, walk out? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I've already blocked it from my mind, but yeah, he had not, there was something big in the world that he had not heard of. Oh man. It was I, probably COVID. 
that, yeah. that sounds like something he'd forget about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's my funny Jerry Little Joker story. But I, I didn't like that. I, yeah, not a fan of him as Joker. Um, I, I will say, it, I, I mean, I don't, I feel like he never really got enough time to even do much with the character. I mean, I don't know if I would yeah. like what he would done, but I just say, <laughs> just in terms of the screen time, I don't think he ever got that much time to actually do anything with it, but uh, I don't know if I've been a fan of it, but it's just, yeah, it's the, the whole thing. I will <laughs> say, oh, go on, Ken, sorry. Oh, uh, well, I was just going to say, the little bit of time he got in the Snyder Cut was better. That's actually what I was just going to bring oh, up. All I right. actually, I'm, uh, I know a lot of people complain about that portion of the Snyder Cut, but I actually really liked it, and I really liked Leto in that sequence. I thought, he's not just doing the, like, wackadoo, whatever the fuck he was doing in Suicide Squad. He's actually attempting to do something interesting here. Well, okay, so I think, Matt, I told you this before, and Mark, I think you might agree with me on this. I feel like when Jared Leto was initially doing this role in Suicide Squad, I honestly don't think his heart was that in it. I think he was doing it so that he could, like, do interviews later talking about, like, his method and how he got into the character and all these wacky things he did. Like, he did it so he could do that, you know what I mean? I, I could easily see that. Uh, right. Him of all people, I could easily see that. <laughs> it seems like he likes attention, so that's yeah. possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that movie, uh, that uh, the David Ayer Suicide Squad just has so many issues. And, well, I will say, since yeah. we just brought up the Snyder Cut, we should mention that obviously that movie, I'm bringing this up like that's the movie we're talking about this episode <laughs> and not the James Gunn one. We gotta blast through this, but I will say that obviously that movie was kind of taken away from him and recut and like mm-hmm. he even released a le- letter about it on social media once, how like there were little to no needle drops in his version and it was this like pop guardians of the galaxy wannabe recut from what he had originally made i would be curious i know we will never see this because it was hard enough getting the snyder cut and even less people care about suicide squad but i would love to see what he'd originally done yeah that's a fair point i uh i do i remember watching and thinking this movie has been messed with by a lot of people like it clearly was very tampered with his david ayer's version and i do feel bad for him that you know, it got taken away from him and messed with and changed. Um, but yeah, we're probably not going to get that cut. I think I think uh, DC is uh, Warner Brothers are kind of like we did it once. We're not going to do it again. <laughs> is what it sounds like. But oh, yeah, yeah. No. never say never with them. I don't know if they want to up those HBO Max subscriptions down the row. They might just say, <laughs> go do your cut, <laughs> David Ayer. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel bad. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. Of a movie is what I was going to say. It's like it's so many pieces put together. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. It's uh a lot of problems i would like to see his original vision but yeah we're probably not going to get that at any point but um yeah but good pivot because i could say <laughs> watching james gunn version james gunn's version feels like somebody who got to do literally whatever they want from what i could tell uh yeah so, um i will start off before we get into spoilers and everything kind of the same idea just uh can your like overall thoughts on this new james gunn version of suicide squad so I left this movie thinking, I mean, first of all, I loved it. I thought it was great. I left this movie thinking like this was James Gunn just let loose and allowed to do whatever he wanted with a superhero movie because it was just such a return to form to his like trauma style of just so much blood and guts, so much violence, but so much humor as well. It's just it's a true 
no one else could have made this but James Gunn. And something that I, I said earlier that I wanted to bring up a typical James Gunn thing, um, just something that I noticed seems to be a trend with him is he loves to cast big name actors to voice a big CGI monster that doesn't have much dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> seems to be a trend with him. I was curious about that because that's your boy Stallone. So that's, I was uh, curious about what you thought he had, how he did you, a shark, King Shark. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, I love Stallone. And um, it's so funny. I actually watched an interview or I listened to an interview with James Gunn earlier today about this. And apparently, yeah, he he said he's like pretty good friends with Sly Stallone at this point. And I, I call him Sly as if we're friends. <laughs> but, you know, you know, my boy Sly. Um, no, they were, he was um, saying how he wrote this character. He, he like wrote this adaptation of this character specifically for Sylvester Stallone and he calls and tells Stallone about it and he's just like yeah it's pretty much a big dumb shark that has no social skills whatsoever and Stallone was just like so you wrote that for me huh he's like yeah and he's just like all right buddy I'm in <laughs> so he's got a great sense of humor about it that's good I was gonna ask I felt like Stallone would been like what am I doing I'm playing a shark okay and like just <laughs> not know what he's doing but um no that's, that's a funny story that he was like I wrote this for you he's like okay cool I'm in um okay so it sounds like you're very positive on it it's good uh Mark your kind of general thoughts on the new Suicide Squad <laughs> uh yeah I'm in the same boat I loved it I mean I do have my share of problems with it which we will get into but Overall, I just had a fucking blast watching it. Oh, okay, nice. Um, yes, and I'm kind of in the same boat as both of you. I was like, oh, there might be some dissension here. I do have, I like Mark, I have some things that I can bring up where I'm like, eh, this wasn't, I did, this didn't work for me. But overall, I had a ton of fun with it. Um, I, mean, I just watched it at home uh, the, the Friday and uh, just had a great time just watching it by myself. And I was like kind of regretting to go see it in a theater. I think it would play really well, but no, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of uh, insane. I don't, I'm surprised I'm seeing people push back and say like, it's not that crazy. I'm like, it's a, it's a DC it's pretty bananas. Yeah, it's a DC property that costs almost $200 million. And some of the things that happen in this movie are, are pretty bonkers. Uh, if you think about the, things that were you know the resources put into this like um so yeah i'm very positive on it i really liked it uh almost could say i loved it i'm not i, I gotta watch it one more time i think but uh i really had a good time with it it's a ton of fun um yeah so now I, yes that's all we'll say that and now i can open it up and get into spoilers um so where to <laughs> begin now uh <laughs> i mean I will, well, yeah. can we talk about the fact that from the get-go, from the beginning of this movie, it's clear that uh, Viola Davis is in Zero Dark Thirty and her co-workers are in Clerks? <laughs> yeah, very well put. My God, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say this. So, Mark, I'm not sure about you, but Matt and I both, when we were younger, loved the uh, the Cartoon Network Justice League TV series. Were you familiar with that at all? Uh, no, I never really watched that. Okay, so Matt, let me ask you then. Do you remember, I remember Amanda Waller being in that show, and the way I remember it, I could be mistaken, Amanda Waller was always just sort of a no-nonsense, you know, big-time government agent, but she was a good guy. As far as this, and I don't know, I, I don't know enough about the comics about her, but as far as this adaptation, Amanda Waller is a stone-cold bitch, and <laughs> Viola Davis plays her so damn well. Um, do you know any... Am I misremembering that cartoon? No, on the, I mean, I, see, I don't know if they were softening her because it was a cartoon that was primarily aimed at kids and like teens because it was like, I think it skewed a little older, but I feel like they softened her because like she would be tough on everything. But she, but she was a, a good guy. She had a heart. Yeah. I mean, I, I think eventually she 
was the good guy. There's a whole thing with like that goes into like Batman Beyond that kind of yeah, shows I her. That. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, but it's like she she had like a heart. But I feel like in these movies she's like heartless. Like she will do anything to complete the mission, and you know doesn't care who lives, who dies, who she has to threaten. Um, they don't really show her having any remorse for anything. So threatening yeah. Bloodsport's daughter. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty. Uh, she's pretty intense. I. Um, I, I don't want to jump way ahead, but <laughs> I have to ask because we're into spoilers. Something happens way late in the movie with her uh, since you brought her up that I just thought when this happens. OK, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure we both yeah. know what we're what you're talking about. Right, right. So she's about to just kill the rest of the squad because they're about to go off of uh, their order. She gives them direct orders and they're about to just go fight Starro, I believe. And she's like, well, I'm going to kill him. And then like her team in the little office, her, the clerk's team, uh, they, they turn against her and a woman like knocks her out with something and, you know, doesn't let her kill them. And I thought to myself, after that was over, she would have this whole team and their families killed. Right. Oh, probably. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But then I mean, they're all alive. Off, Amanda Waller <laughs> would not be working with this group of clowns at all much less allow them to get away with the knocking her the fuck out. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the part I was like, really like that seems way out of character that if they knocked her out and stopped her from doing what she was going to do, that not only would they not ever be working with her again, which I think they set up at the end that they are still all working with her. She would have them killed. I I, I was like, yeah. that kind of like blew me away that that, that beat just kind of gets like glossed over where it's like, well, well we should address this. <laughs> and, um, I, that was one thing where I, I was a nitpick kind of where I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense from a character standpoint. But um, since you brought her up so early, I had to get into that because those are those things I was just scratching my head over. I'm like, I was like, well, they'll be killed. I was like, they're not dead. Oh, like it works just, in the yeah. spirit of this absurd movie. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So I just I was interesting. I was like, OK, that's weird, but I'll roll with it. Um, but OK, let's go back to the beginning of the movie now. Um, were you guys surprised or not surprised at how many people in that first kind of group get killed off like instantly. <laughs> I, I was blown away. I didn't expect, <laughs> I expected sort of to get to know all the characters. I mean, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I didn't watch enough trailers, <laughs> but I, I was expecting to get to know all these characters. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly how I felt like in the theater watching it. Cause I was not expecting it, but then when it happened, I wasn't too surprised. You know what? We can like we can go ahead and get into some of my complaints with the movie right here at the beginning because okay. um yeah that uh to me this is uh, like introducing us to main characters and the just killing them off is a gag we've seen time and time again in movies that we just saw it a couple of years ago with the uh, X Force and Deadpool too but mm -hmm. James Gunn mm -hmm. is treating this gag like it's the first time it's ever been done and he thinks it's so clever. And I'm not going to lie, the movie did not get off to a great start with me because of that. Like, I actually found that kind of annoying, somewhat edgelordy, I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> but then the opening credits with the Jim Carroll bands, people who died and they're all set and all her coworkers are settling their bets with each other. Then it I thought. Okay, that makes this whole opening worth it. <laughs> and they're showing the credits, and it looks like all the names are the people we just saw die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that if, yeah, no, Ken, I think you're fair to be kind of blown away. If you, I, this is why I hate 
my like movie brain sometimes because in my mind, like I've seen some of these the the big names pop up like um, Pete Davidson and Nathan Fillion and um, Lula Borg. Yes, Loved like seeing uh, Pete Davidson die at the beginning. By the way, that, that was, was satisfying. Yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> Something about that guy I just don't like. Um, yeah. and he gets his face just destroyed. Like just there's blown away. <laughs> blown also, away. also, yeah. um, I'm sure he's an interesting character, and we will clearly see more of him. But Weasel was fucking gross to look at. Like that was <laughs> disgustingly animated. He's, yeah, he's not pleasant to look at. You're like, oh. Uh, and the fact that he killed like 27 children, you're like, oh, this thing is terrible. And then I, I wish he would die. But yeah. no, we find out he survives by the end. But um, oh, I, I, my, I was going to say to finish my thought, my movie brain. I hate this that I, my I, my thought process like, well, it's called The Suicide Squad. Uh, and <laughs> I know it's rated R and James Gunn's probably going to go for broke and kill a bunch of people. And I'm like thinking in my head, thinking about the trailers I've seen. I think I've seen every trailer. And I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't seen any scenes past this opening with Pete Davidson, uh, Michael Rooker, any of these guys. So I'm thinking like a lot of these guys die right off the bat. And I was right. And I was a little <laughs> mad at myself because I kind of, I hate to like think ahead of the movie, but I just, I had thought about the trailer. I was like, Oh, these guys aren't in later scenes. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> they're going to die. So not super surprised, but probably surprised more how they died. Cause it was like, it's rated R. So I knew it would be pretty violent, but it was like, the level of violence was still kind of surprising me right off the bat. You're not the only one though. Um, like the people that I've talked to about the movie, they all had the, the, the same thought process. Like, yeah, we're probably going to see a bunch of people die at the opening <laughs> and it's yeah. probably going to be these clowns. Yeah. Well, and I should, I, I should have uh, seen that because, um, you know, first of all, the main poster just has like the main squad that we see throughout the movie. I mean, there are some posters that show the whole thing, but also this was a whole cast of characters that was even bigger than the first Suicide Squad, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah, maybe I should have predicted that, like, yeah, they're probably going <laughs> to get rid of a lot of these people early on. Also, also, um, I'm in a movie group on Facebook, and they, like, someone, like, did their their uh, spoiler-free review of it, and they had just the poster in the post, and someone commented just saying, like, man, and it was the poster of, like, all the members like standing on uh, Amanda Waller's face you know the poster I'm talking about mm. yes yeah so and someone commented saying like man look at that cast of characters I sure hope none of them die and <laughs> like and when I saw that I just thought okay so maybe a few of these people are gonna die didn't I, didn't predict yeah. everyone <laughs> well they, who so who makes it off that first beach um Margot Robbie Harley Quinn makes it Rick off flag Rick flag they are the only ones the only two okay and well, I, guess, I guess weasel tech weasel at the end yeah technically in the post credits when I it's like right after the credits start he shows up he's still alive um I thought drowning seemed too easy for him I kind of thought like oh that's like weirdly like uh you know he didn't get blown up or like have his limbs cut off or something um kind of a I subtle death I could have I, I could have seen that because that's I mean James Gunn seems first and foremost concerned with jokes and like the whole joke of fucking weasel just drowning right at the beginning is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny, especially with, um, uh, Rick, I think it's Rick flag says, uh, did anyone know the weasel couldn't swim? Oh yeah. The, yeah. Just does the side eye to, uh, Steve Agee. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't think who that was for a second. No, one of the, uh, is he the, is he the guy that kind of looks like, Brian Posehn light is he is that yeah. Beck? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you bring him up because I think him and Brian Posehn were both together in the uh, Sarah Silverman show. 
Interesting. Okay. Huh. I always see this guy in Suicide Squad with the glasses and like, kind of like the tall guy. And like, I'm like, that just reminds me of like Brian Posehn, but like Diet Coke version Brian Posehn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, the, that was a good, that was a funny line. He was like, no one could check the, no one checked the weasel, couldn't swim. And yeah, so I could see it just being a joke, but it was shockingly uh, not violent for the rest of the, t- the deaths that come afterwards. Um, yeah, and then uh, I was, the, the Michael Worker thing was funny because he tries to escape and I'm thinking like, oh, that's interesting. And then they just blow his head up. I thought he actually might, I don't know why I thought he'd get away, but <laughs> they blow his head off and it's a very gory uh, head explosion. Um, thought Captain Boomerang might make it off that beach because he was one of the last movie. And I was kind of sad. I was like, oh my God, I care that Jai Courtney died in a movie. Who am yeah, I? Yeah, Jai Courtney <laughs> of all people. Yeah, but I mean, just the fact that he was like one of the best parts of the previous movie, I thought he was going to be a pretty big part of this. But yeah. <laughs> but you knew, I mean, of course they weren't going to get rid of Margot Robbie. It's like, that's, that'd be that'd be box office suicide. Am I right? <laughs> so many bad oh God. Buttons. One thing, a little touch I loved is, um, when, uh, flag is introducing savant to the whole suicide squad and it's just like going by them all and saying their names. And then at the end, he's just like, and of course, and then it just cuts to the inside of the plane and Harley's like, hi guys. And I'm like, this movie knows who the fucking star is. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, yeah, she is, she's the star of the show. Um, also, I, uh, a, another great Margot, Ro- Margot Robbie moment in the movie is when um, for, uh, Javelin, Flula Borg's character, when he dies, he's just like, take this for, and then he like dies, and she's just like, take it for who? <laughs> and then the, 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 the like army comes around, she's just like, this is so frustrating. He, he didn't finish. I don't know who to give this to. <laughs> but, um, and I love that they brought it back eventually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. It came in came in handy in the end. Um, that was speaking of Margot Robbie, though, that was one of my it's not even like it's more of a nitpick than anything. I thought her little like I guess you call it a subplot where she gets captured and kind of has this um, I haven't called a romance. She kind of has this thing with uh, with uh, is he the dictator? The president, or, the president, Supp- the president in quotations. But yeah, the dictator. Right. Where she has this like quick fling with him. Uh, and then he dies or, you know, and then it's kind of like, there's this whole, she's off on her own for part of the movie. And I, I didn't love that stuff until the very end of it where she escapes. I love that action scene where there's all this crazy shit going on, like flowers exploding everywhere and like all this very violent, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I thought it was, was a good action scene. Piece. Yeah. I, but before that I was kind of like, okay, I'm not really into the, the Marco Robbie solo stuff. Like it just wasn't doing much for me. I was like, get back to the, uh, the main squad might have been, it was more like I wanted to see the main, the rest of the group than just her on her own. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not that major a part. It, it's, I, it's over fairly quickly. So I think the, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the little romance stuff she has with him is, you know, interesting, you know, to have some funny quips with her and her character. Like when she shoots him and she's just like, you know, I promised if I saw any red flags, I would take the guy out and killing <laughs> children is kind of, is kind of a big flag. Um, but yeah, I think the best parts with her on her own is sort of her action scenes. Like when she's like chained up and she like snaps the guy's neck with her legs and like gets the keys with her toes. Oh yeah. Apparently she that really did bit. that, I read. Apparently yeah, she... well, that was part of the interview that I listened to with uh, James Gunn. I thought this was funny because in the interview, uh, he was talking about how they were going to get the Cirque du Soleil performer to do that scene. But no, Margot Robbie was just able to do it. And the interviewer is just like, man, Margot Robbie, is there anything she can't do? And James Gunn sort of throws her under the bus and says, oh, well, she can't sing. I noticed that if you listen to her singing 
that that song i ain't got nobody she she she's not a good singer and he he like sort of doubles down because she's because the interviewer is like ah so no musical roles for her i get i guess and he's just like well i hope not i'm like damn james jesus yeah <laughs> to make up for that though i read a snippet online when i was browsing some i forget what website it was where james gunn apparently said she's like one of his favorite actors he's ever worked with so oh yeah oh he yeah made yeah. up for it yeah <laughs> i think he was just sort of like joking by like calling out that one thing she might not be great at but he right, was right. he was singing her praises just giving her a little bit of hard time um yeah, so no, her, but that action set piece, I love, my, it's, my, my favorite part, but it's like one of her parts of the movie is when she's going down a hallway and just killing all these soldiers, and uh, um, I think it just visually looks so cool, and it's like a pretty nicely the done. flowers uh, coming out of back flowers of her. coming out. It's a very cool set piece, and it has that great oh, yeah. kind of punchline when she comes out, <laughs> and uh, it's like, what are you guys doing? She's like, what? Like, We're trying to save you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. She's like, well, I can go back in, and you guys can still do it. <laughs> Um, I fucking yeah. adore that moment. Like yeah, in the trailer, I just thought it was like a funny little gag. But then in the movie, I was just like, oh, my God, I love this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, yep. Speaking of her meeting up with the rest of the team, what do you guys think of like really our main squad of characters? I love them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, honestly, I got to say, out of all those characters, I think my favorite one is honestly uh, Ratcatcher or Ratcatcher 2. Yeah, a lot of people have singled her out as a very good performance, and she is really good. I'm blanking her name. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, uh, Daniela Me. Ah, uh, fuck. I shouldn't have started saying this. I forgot the last <laughs> name. It's like Melchor or something like that. Yeah. And I'm sure. Look I'm it sure, up and tell me if I'm right. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure the two of you uh, noticed that her dad was Taika Waititi. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, for a very is he in more than one scene? Did I miss another scene with him? Or uh, she has like, like two flash brief little two flashes to him earlier. Two flashbacks. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, but I was like, oh yeah, there's Taika Waititi. Um, her name is Daniela Melchior. I hope I'm saying that right. I, oh my god, I was so close. You were pretty close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. A lot of people have called her out. Um, at a big cast. Like the people are saying she's really good, and she is really good. Um, kind of gets like the most emotional beat of the whole thing you know it's like so yeah um yeah she's good i really liked her yeah what i love is like even though she's she's like the youngest member of the team and yet she's she she'll she kind of feels like the mother of the team whereas harley quinn yeah. feels like the daughter yeah but yeah well said <laughs> well said uh she seems to be besides idris elba like the only person who is in touch with uh like their emotions, I guess. I don't know how to put it. Um, uh, maybe maybe Polka Dot Man too, but he's got a lot oh. of issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh he might be my second favorite. Uh, also, yeah. that actor is apparently like he he's loved by the DC team because they'll keep putting him in projects. Yeah, he's uh, he was in. Was he? I know he was in The Dark Knight. Was he in anything else? He was in the Flash TV show, I believe. Oh my God, he was. Yeah, apparently. That, oh, he's also in uh, the Ant-Man movies. He he gets around with all the comic oh. book companies. Yeah, oh, apparently wow. he did some voice work in he did some voice work on some animated DC movies. Okay, he's a guy who just pops up and stuff, and because I, I, he's very recognizable, and I just see him pop up and stuff all the time. David Dastamalchian. No we are not going to pronounce that. David correctly. last name. <laughs> <laughs> all these names I can't pronounce. Um, 
uh, yeah, I really liked that kind of that second. I, I, I know what you call them, like the the main squad. Um, it's funny because it, beginning so uh, James Gunn does a thing that I usually hate in a movie where they kind of show you something and then pull it back and they'll be like thirty minutes earlier. Because uh, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like where they show you something that's going to happen later and they pull you back. But I think he used that really effectively in this movie a couple times. Yeah. Um, the opening does that. Matt, I feel like you, you're over there just like, you're not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's more it's more to, like, show you the beginning and then go back, I guess. I, I think movies do a lot where they, it's the beginning of the movie, and they show you something. It's going to be a scene later on, and then they go three days earlier, and it's like, usually I kind of hate that kind of thing. I don't know why, it just bothers me. <laughs> like, um, I don't think it's ever very effective, but I think it actually works in this movie. Um, Particularly during the... Particularly during the climax, I love the way he used it there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, like the eight minutes earlier thing. Yeah. Yeah. It no, it pays off really well. He uses it effectively. Um, but um, yeah. The, I mean, the, the the main squad is great. I mean, you've got Idris Elba, John Cena. Um, you end up being Joel Kinnaman in there. Uh, oh, wait, Polka can I quickly Manchin. bring up um, yes. the first Suicide Squad had Ike Barinholtz. This one has John Cena. So. I think the next Suicide Squad, we got to get Leslie Mann in there, and then they'll have the entire cast of Blockers. There you go. Yeah. That... <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, John Cena as Peacemaker is, I mean, we've already mentioned spoilers, so we know he sort of turns on the team later on, but he's one of the funniest parts in this movie. Like, I think one of my favorite lines is one of the early jokes where um, Idris Elba, uh, Bloodsport, tells him it's just like, well, my order to you would be to go eat a bag of dicks. He's like, look, if this whole island were covered in dicks and my country needed me to eat every single one in order to save the country, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, I, I'm i happy that I like that in the movie because that's another line when I heard that in the trailer. I hated it. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Eating, like, <laughs> All right, Gun. I get it. You get to work with an R rating again, but like, yeah, you, you can be a little more clever. But no, the way Cena delivered that in the moment was pretty perfect. God damn, I, I just love John Cena. <laughs> yeah, plus the way he just has to deliver it. I, he's it's so good in this too because me and Daniel Epper talked about F nine, where I don't like John Cena that much because he has to be like dead serious the whole time, and it's funny in this because he's still pretty serious, but it's played for comedy. It's not played for comedy in F9 and that works here. And then he still gets to be, he has funny lines, but he's so deadpan about everything. Well, um, I will, <laughs> I will come on and uh, make a little argument. Cause I listened to that episode and I remember you and Dan Epler coming on and spreading <laughs> the mistruth that John Cena is not good in F9. He's great in F9. And I also think he's great in this at the end when he is revealed to be the bad guy. And there is like no comedy to that character. He is playing it straight. He's not doing any jokes. And like the scene, the scenes with him as a villain are actually played pretty seriously. And I'm impressed that gun doesn't uh, make any jokes during them. It's a good reveal too. Cause you don't see it coming because he's been so funny the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was but, very surprised by that. Um, but, but Matt, Matt, we, we need to recognize the greatest John Cena role of all time. Uh, you, you know what I'm bringing up. He voiced an animated bull. Oh, dear. <laughs> we have this running joke, Mark, between me and Matt. I don't think we've ever made it public on the podcast. Wait, was we that have this running joke. Yeah, because I'm a defender of that movie. I think it's a really cute movie. Um, <laughs> and it's always this joke that I'm going to make Matt watch it. And he always just sort of just pushes it away from me. <laughs> the other part of the joke is like, uh, back when like things were more normal, uh, we were in the office because we work at the same place. We have a Best Buy literally like five minutes away from where we work, so we oh, would yeah. go there 
on lunches a lot. And like Ferdinand, the, the Blu-ray section kept getting smaller and smaller, but somehow Ferdinand kept hanging on. There's always like eight <laughs> copies of Ferdinand in the thing. And Ken would run over and grab one. He goes, Matt, here you go. Buy this one. And I'm like, God damn, I can't get Ferdinand away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And it was there like, was, till, yeah. I thought that was Channing Tatum who voiced Ferdinand. How am no, I it was John that? Cena. It was <laughs> John Cena. And it was, and it was so funny because in the movie you hear John Cena's voice say, "Hey, look, I'm not a fighter. That's not what I'm about." <laughs> well, Mark, I'm very sorry that we offended you with our John Cena uh, shock nine. Um, but I, I don't think it's even. Although, actually, so yeah. While we're on F9, let me just bring this up, because I do think it's an interesting dynamic that uh, earlier in the summer, John Cena played a villain who later turned out, uh, kind of came around to be a hero. And in this one, he plays a hero who comes around to be a villain. Ah. Both in the same summer, and both movies also also have Michael Rooker. True, true. That has nothing to do with uh, John Cena's character, so why'd (laughs) I even bring it up? But it is another connection. Um, I just think that he's... The way he's written, the way he's told or to you know, play in F9, it's like not as fun. There's more there's more stuff going on with his role as Peacemaker. Like, even though he is very serious by the end, I feel like for some reason he pulls it off there and it works. So it may be the whole movie itself. Then, you know, I don't know. It's something. But he gets to do other stuff in this one, too. He still gets to be kind of funny, kind of mm-hmm. serious. Um, yeah, I just thought he pulled this off much. And the turn is really well done. Um, talk about another guy that I didn't care about. Joel Kinnaman. Is an actor like I don't care about Joel Kinnaman, but like again, I was sad when uh, they killed him off in this movie. I was like, oh no, Rick Flag. But I was like, I why do I care? But <laughs> yeah, I've always, I've actually always been a big Joel Kinnaman fan. Did either of you ever watch that show, The Killing? No, but I heard no, that was me. good, and that was like the place to watch him be a really yeah, good no, actor. He, I only yeah. watched the first season, but he is, he's great in that show, and I've always been a fan of him since then. And I have. Liked him in everything I've seen him. I even liked him in the uh, somewhat mediocre RoboCop remake. I think he's great in that movie. And I actually really liked him in the first Suicide Squad, and I was really happy to see him back in this one, that he wasn't one of the cast members from the original that was just killed off or written off. Yeah, I uh, I was surprised that they... Not, I mean, I was surprised when I saw he was coming back, because I felt like he didn't really stand out, but I guess he's kind of like the good guy leader of the groups i guess his role was kind of important but uh i was surprised that they they actually killed him off because they, like, they killed off captain boomerang okay but like they'll keep him alive and then like nope and uh <laughs> that death for all the people getting like torn apart and faces blown off and limbs blown off um i feel like that fight is like more like down dirty and effective in the way that he's gets like stabbed apart with a piece of like porcelain right or something it's like uh yeah yeah, and it's like, oh, like, you know, that just hits so much harder than uh, even though their stuff's fun and crazy and I love it. It's just like that kind of moment is like, oh, shit. Um, even and I don't know if you guys read this. It, to me, it looks like even John Cena's face, his character is kind of like, oh, shit. Like, it, oh, like, no, I <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to. I feel like I keep cutting you off. Sorry. No, you can, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> well, what I was just going to say is uh, I noticed that especially on this viewing is during that whole sequence uh during the turn, he looks like he doesn't want to be doing this. You can actually see that in mm. his face. And I think it actually makes him a pretty complex and interesting character and not just like a, you know, two dimensional villain at the end. Like that's what I was going to say. The, the villains in this movie are kind of eh, like they're James Gunn's never been that great with writing villains. I mean, we all remember Ronan, the accuser, whatever. He's very no, boring, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
John Cena, that whole the whole final act, Peacekeeper, you can tell he doesn't want to be doing this, but he's doing it because he believes in uh, quote unquote freedom. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with him or not, he definitely you can see that he believes that uh, no matter what his conscience is telling him, he's going through it. I don't. I thought it was a legitimately great performance in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of goes to what he said early in the in the movie when he was uh, talking about when they were like, so why do they call you a peacemaker if you do all this killing? He's just like, I believe in peace at any cost. I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's definitely insane, but it's like he's committed to what he's doing. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he believes it 100%. You're right. Um, so, yeah, no, he's really good. Um, can we, uh, well, can yeah. we jump off of that to talk about one of my big problems with the movie? Because okay. we're we're at the end we're 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 spoiling we're talking we're kind of just jumping all over the movie at this point so yeah, yeah. The, I was talking about how I love how Gunn kind of treats that moment seriously with no jokes mm. my something happens in the final act of this movie and even though I like the movie this was really close to making me just flat out hate it and I left the theater in anger I've only ever heard of people walking out of movies angry I've never done it. Until I saw the Suicide Squad, because Polka Dot Man, who's the biggest loser yes. of the bunch, and he's like, tr- he's like treated as a loser even by the rest of them. But like, Guns like got that thing where he always talks about like he's writing his movies for the losers and the outcasts of the world, and then he always gives them their big moments at the end, and then he gives Big Polka Dot Man his big moment where he's like, I'm a superhero, and then he just kills him off, and it's supposed to be funny, and it's played like a joke. Yeah, and I hated that. And then at the end, at the end, uh, after the end credits, and they're like, "Yeah, we found his body in the rubble. We, we were not, we weren't sure, but he, it's looking like he'll survive." I was thinking, "Great, Polka Dot Man's going to be okay." That's what and I thought revealed, too. And it's John Cena. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, I I watched the movie again today, right before we uh, recorded, and I'm able to get on board with it a little more now that I know it was coming. But like. That is just such a tone deaf moment. Like, I feel like that comes from all these years writing for Marvel and like making just like joke after joke and not knowing that not every moment has to be a joke. God, yeah, I remember and I, just thinking to myself, Zack Snyder needs to beat the Marvel out of this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, especially because now that he's got like an R-rated superhero movie, now he's like, oh, now I can do like really dark, gritty humor, you know? And he just thought that would be a great thing. But yeah, I was so upset when Polka Dot Man died. But um, I will say I loved the moment when Blitzword, it like points to Star of the Conqueror. It's just like, Polka Dot Man, do you see who that is? What? Who is it? It's your mom! <laughs> and it's a giant version of his mom just crashing the building. That was such a great gag. Yeah, the recurring gag about him seeing his mom everywhere was uh, was pretty well played, I thought. <laughs> yeah, when he's just like, well, where where is she now? He's like, she's everywhere. And he just sees her face on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, I'm with you. I gotta go, because I had seen you tweet about that, but not spoiler. You just kind of said, you know, something about, like, there's a moment near the end of Suicide Squad where James kind of said something that I absolutely hated to a character that, you know, and I kind of was like, huh, what could that be? And once that Polka Dot Man moment, Matt, moment happened, I thought, oh, that's what Mark was talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was really upset yeah. by that. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't, like, I'm all right with you killing him off, but, like, don't treat it like a fucking joke. Like, you love this character. You want us to love him. Like, 
treat him with respect. Like allow uh, the it, it feels like everyone in the movie is laughing at him when he dies. I I've and then seen... they have that one little shot of Ratcatcher kind of mourning him, but that's so brief. I feel like it doesn't yeah. fully make up for it. Yeah. It's it should have been he he deserved better there. I've heard people sort of make this defense of it in that you know he's felt like such an outcast for so long, but he got to die being what he wanted a superhero and he was happy. But it was played for laughs and that wasn't appropriate. I don't think. Yeah, I I usually don't have a problem with like tonal whiplash or tonal inconsistencies in movies, but that that just completely rubbed me the wrong way. Absolutely. Yeah, and you make a good point because I I feel like that's what he's going for about like the guys want to be a hero so badly, and he finally gets his moment, but then he's killed, and you could play that in a like way that has some emotional impact, but he does play it for a joke. I think it's the wrong way to play it. So yeah, that, that I I get it. it didn't. It didn't bother me as much as it did you, Mark, but I but I totally see where you're coming from. Um, and yeah, it's it's just weird that he, you know, he builds up this thing and then kind of, yeah, it's like a joke. And it's kind of, well, that's a weird way to handle that. But um, like, like I would it, say, like this could be this w- could have been my favorite movie of the year so far, if not for that moment. Well, like, that's how good the rest of the movie is. But that's how bad that moment is that it just drags it down so far for me. Here's how I think his death should have been played out. Um as displayed in another James Gunn movie. And I know Groot survives and he, you know, is in the next couple movies, but the way Groot sacrifices himself at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy, like that's how, that's how Polka Dot Man's death should have been played. Like a hero sacrificing himself for the team. Absolutely. 100% agree, which kind of irritates me more. Cause then you watch those movies and like, okay, so James Gunn does know when a character's death should be dramatic. So I don't know why he kind of just reverted to that for this one. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah Groot and Yondu. Yondu's death yeah. makes me freaking cry, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yondu's death is amazing. Right. That's It's funny when people, like, say it's almost like James Gunn, like, let out more of his, like, snarky, dark comedy side. Because in the Guardians movies, he has those moments he handles really well that have really emotional impact. There's no joke. It's like the group thing. Definitely Yondu's death in two, which is a really, really well done scene moment. The song, everything is like perfect about that moment. Uh, so he can do that kind of thing. I think it's, it's it seems like a conscious choice to be like more, you know, I'm in a kind of thumb my nose up at all this kind of stuff. I'm in know? a mean spirited mood. Right, right. Maybe he just thought that was different material. And, you know, Suicide Squad, it's always kind of like been mean spirited the whole thing is you know people can get their heads blown off if they if they go against orders it's a very dark uh comic book really so um yeah i don't know i don't know it just seems like he made a choice to be like well i'm gonna be snarky here and kind of a kind of make kind of a dick kind of a dick yeah (laughs) so i think part of it is that he uh because he got hired for suicide squad not that long after he got fired from marvel right and i imagine Mm -hmm. like it was a combination of being angry at that because of uh you know he got fired for all those like just dumb joke tweets he made years ago and then on top of that uh like finally being able to write an r-rated movie so i think it's the combination of being angry and also just wanting to go as far as you can and yeah getting the edgy material rated movie yeah Yeah. he got the edgy material and he saw like an outlet to get that out or something almost like he had to get out of a system or something like it's like (laughs) um because he did do he did that movie Super, right? Was that him? Uh, like 12 yeah, years that ago. Was him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm 
That's okay. I just was thinking he made an R-rated superhero movie, but on a much, much different scale. Obviously, it's not a DC or Marvel property. But um, what's the but, title? What's the title of that? Um, like Superman horror movie he was attached to? Oh, uh, fuck! Oh, what's fuck! What name, was that? What's the name of that movie? Thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Right, burn. Brightburn. Oh that's my it. god, I forgot about Brightburn. That was yeah, that was a movie that came out. Uh, did he direct that or was he just a writer? He was did he a producer, produce? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think he wrote it and produced it. Yeah, they stuck his name all over it like he made it, but you know, they always like when he doesn't, you know, it's like, oh, from James Gunn, but he's not directing this, you know. But uh I think he was heavily involved. But um mm-hmm. Mark, now I'm curious, because I don't think I like super either, because it ends on a super I, I think it's super mean too, it's like a super downbeat thing. Um, was that your problem with Super, that it's, like, just really mean-spirited? And that, I, I don't have a problem. My problem with Super is that it's just, like, one note. The whole movie is just, like, hey, people who want to be superheroes in real life are actually mentally ill, and we should watch out for them. And it's just, like, <laughs> that thing for, like, an hour and 40 minutes straight. And I'm, like, oh, my God, I get it already. <laughs> like, it's just, it's basically, like, observe and report, but observe and report is at least funny. Right. <laughs> And more, I guess, more realistic because he just wants to be a mall security guard, right? Or he wants to be a cop. I forgot. He wants um, to be a cop. But yeah, <laughs> it's an even darker movie in this day and age. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, true. But, um, um, yeah. No, what I will say about uh, Gun, because we're talking about his previous films like Slither and Super. Those are both hard R rated movies, but mm-hmm. they don't feel they don't feel like they are truly rubbing your face in their R ratedness because he had yet to make like a pg-13 he he had yet to be forced to tone it down right so i think after (laughs) years of having to tone it down at marvel he like was itching so hard to get back to making those hard r-rated movies and that's why this one is so gleeful so gleeful that it kind of annoyed me at times like (laughs) some of the overly bloody moments i'm like oh my god i get it you're not at marvel anymore but it's like blood we you're i'm 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 not 13 years old and neither are you you should be trying for a little more mature Jimbo. Yeah, yeah. Like that, um, I, w- I will admit, I, I freaking loved when um, King Shark, like, rips that person's body in half. Right, that moment I love. Oh that's because I love everything with King Shark. Oh, man. Yeah, King Shark is wonderful in this. I'm so glad he made it. To, I thought they were going to kill him. Uh, oh, God, like, I don't so you dare weird. kill King Shark. <laughs> yeah. uh, that moment is glorious. When, listen, I will say that when he rips that guy in half and like the background of like there's like lightning, I think, going off. And it's just like this beautiful shot. I'm like, this is amazing to be in like a $200 million DC superhero movie. That it's like <laughs> it's uh, this shot of this shark ripping a man in half. And it's like just incredible. Um, So, yeah, that kind of stuff I really enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like he was he was sort of the replacement for Killer Croc. Yeah, well, thank God he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much better played. Killer Croc was. Uh, I don't remember hating Killer Croc like everyone else, but he was not great. I mean, like most of that movie, I've forgotten about him already. Well, yeah. well, you got it. We do have to acknowledge Killer Croc is the reason that movie won an Oscar. <laughs> Oh my god! I forgot that movie won an Oscar. I had a yep. coworker who makeup. loved referring to it as Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> yep, I did the same thing. Yeah. Yep, I did the same thing. <laughs> what did it win for? Costumes or visual makeup? Effects? Best makeup. makeup. Jesus. Um, I mean, that wasn't bad if I remember. <laughs> um, oh boy, yeah, that's uh, that's something. Also, now I'm remembering the part that I lost my mind at in the theater, and that first Suicide Squad was uh when Enchantress at that weird little dance 
near the end. Oh, like, yeah. Which I was like, what the fuck? And then also, sorry, I hate to bag this movie, but it's like not the kind of movie that should end with a giant sky beam. That's not the Suicide Squad's thing. You know what I mean? That's not their bag. So I was like, why is this how you chose to do this? And who knows if that was David A or somebody else. But um, yeah, that movie's a mess. But anyway, back to, <laughs> back to the new Suicide Squad. Um, okay, so King Shark, talk about him. Uh, oh, we haven't oh. mentioned Peter Capaldi yet. Okay, this is, I'm glad you brought this up. This is one of my other kind of like uh, uh, nitpicks of the movie is that I feel like he's a bit wasted. He's really, yeah, he doesn't do much. (laughs) Well, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like Gunn, like he writes villains who are like, he's really good at writing the villains who start off good and then turn evil. Like uh, Kurt Russell in Guardians 2 or John Cena here. Like they're great, but then like just your standard bad guys, uh, they always kind of end up being boring when he's involved, I feel like. So yeah, Peter Capaldi's kind of doesn't have much to do, nor do the... uh, the president or the general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie. That's why and, like, and, and Starro yeah. is just a big kaiju. So there's not a ton of personality there. Yeah, There's not much he can do with that. Right. Oh, he does have a great moment. He gets one line that he gets to talk or maybe a couple, the, there was someone speaks for him when he's like the, the when he's about to die. He's like, I was just happy floating out in space. And then you captured me. I'm paraphrasing, but like, yeah, that he, yeah. he was just happy being free and floating and then they captured him. And, you know, so he's like a, a villain doesn't want to be a villain, really. <laughs> he's like, I was just hanging out, guys. Yeah, you really fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. And then he um, I mean, it's you can sort of get it. Like if they like captured him and once he's able to like control these people, he's just like, you know what? Yeah, this is mine now. Fuck you. <laughs> you can sort of get it. Yeah. Yeah. Also insane to me that I was watching a. Uh, like a big budget movie with Starro in it. Like I never thought I'd see Starro come to the big screen. <laughs> yeah, the only the only time I had ever seen Starro before this was was he's sort of in the background in one of the stages in the first Injustice game. He's just sort of like hanging out in the background. But also in an episode of Batman Beyond, where Ter- Terry McGinnis is meeting Superman and he's like being controlled by Starro. That I was thinking of that. Yeah, that Superman's being controlled by him at one point. I thought that was just Justice League episode. Maybe I'm wrong. No, it, no, it was Batman Beyond, or okay. maybe there was a Justice League episode. Who knows? It might have been both. I've read some comics with Starro, but it's like not a thing I ever thought <laughs> would come because I thought you can't translate this giant starfish thing to you know the big screen. And then James Gunn's like, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. <laughs> hey, I'm the guy that made Rocket Raccoon lovable. Right. I thought it worked. I thought that was a good like, you know, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good uh, a good villain for the movie. So yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you guys that because I'm not at all familiar with uh, comics in any way. I'm not really a comic guy. So just the name Starro the Conqueror, like when he was just like, that's what I've been calling him. I'm like, oh, let me guess. This is a comic book character and that's the name in the comic book. So I'm glad you guys answered that for me. (laughs) Yeah, just ripped straight from the comic books. It's such a comic book thing. You know, it's like I just that's why I could not I just could not imagine anybody being like, we're going to adapt that for a big budget movie <laughs> like it's so weird and so out there and just like and and yeah and, and also what's impressive is he he just looks the way he does in the comics i feel right. like a lot of movies I, I honestly feel like since the mcu like filmmakers have realized like you know what maybe we can like make these comic book characters look serious in a movie because like before that like um the the two examples i go to are in um you know, possibly the greatest comic book movie ever made, um, Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, 
<laughs> no, oh, obviously not. No, uh, but Galactus in that movie is just a giant cloud. You yeah, know, that's... it's not yeah. the dude in the big purple armor. And also, um, Electro in the the Amazing Spider-Man Two looks nothing like the comic book. <laughs> looks nothing like the comic book counterpart. But it's like yeah. now they're starting to realize, like, you know what? We can actually make these like sort of people who look goofy in the comics we can make them look believable on screen yeah ken i thought you were gonna go the first x-men movie oh oh well that too suits which i find i don't like that when i go back to those movies i hate that they just were like i know in all black suits like it's just so boring they even have the line in there he's just like what are you kidding me he's just like what would you prefer yellow spandex i'm like yes i would (laughs) put him in yellow spandex damn it oh it's still weird to me that um that uh, uh hugh jackman never wore the traditional wolverine outfit through all those times he played wolverine yep, <laughs> well um i recently watched the wolverine for uh-huh. the first time and i watched the alternate ending where he is gifted the original comic book wolverine costume I but miss, he doesn't I put it on right we this close no he doesn't yeah. put it on oh. and that ending was cut but we were this close to getting that in a movie. And I like the Wolverine a lot, actually. And I think our friend Daniel Upper is also a fan of that movie. Um, the movie's awesome. It's very underrated. It's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I missed it in theater, sadly. And uh, was like, oh, this is really good. I, but I never saw the alternate ending, I don't think. That's uh, that's interesting. So, damn it, we were so close. <laughs> um, this is the thing I like now that, yeah, since MCU kind of, they can put characters and things that are at least very close to their comic book outfits. Like, they're not scared anymore. Like, for that first X-Men movie where it's like, no, no, we got to put them all in like matching black suits. Like we can't like do like, anything too crazy. <laughs> like you look at Loki in the comics and you would think there's no way this person could ever be taken seriously in a live action movie. But I mean, Tom Hiddleston is now like one of the MVPs of the MCU. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just not afraid of. I mean, I mean, they make a little change. Nothing. I, I mean, sometimes they don't look exactly. He's still got like, the huge horns on right, his outfit, right. <laughs> which actually looks good. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy they're not afraid of that stuff anymore. So, um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, I feel like we didn't really talk much about uh, Bloodsport. Did we? Well, we talked about his daughter a little oh, bit. The How... daughter that uh, he shouts "fuck you" at for like ten <laughs> seconds. Oh, <laughs> I'm James Gunn, and I'm just gonna randomly use the f word as much as possible because it's funny. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. There are a lot of parts in this movie that really annoyed me, but I still really enjoyed it. I feel like I have to keep clarifying that because I feel like I'm complaining a lot about things. Okay, I feel like somebody here needs to be like a little bit of the dissenting voice to be like, I don't like this or that. But um, yeah, for all these things you're saying you don't like, I'm glad you like the movie overall, though. That's good. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, like, there, like there is some stuff. really great yeah. heartwarming stuff in this movie. And just it's it's funny, man. Oh, you know, what? you know, it's a pretty funny moment for me is um uh when milton dies and polka dot man is like heartbroken over it and mario is just like wait who's milton he's like he was with us the whole time i'm pretty sure i would remember if there was a guy named milton around <laughs> i thought that was and a then, funny bit, but no one remembered milton yeah. and she like looks back she's like oh that guy and then she mistakenly calls Bloodsport milton oh my oh, god yeah. that's like that might be my favorite moment that's the moment i've been quoting to myself like the most heartwarming thing to me in this movie is when she's just like i can be your friend but I had completely <laughs> forgotten that she also calls him Milton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just having a conversation for like three hours about how that's your name. <laughs> um, I like your Margot Robbie impression, by the way. Yeah. 
<laughs> Excellent Harley Quinn. I, I do voices. It's something I do, good or bad. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, another amazing scene that like has a hilarious ending is when the whole team is like taking out that team of mercenaries and then it turns out they're like they're like the freedom fighters. I was gonna bring this up, the guerrilla <laughs> fighters, yeah, which is a really you think about it kind of a fucked up joke because they go oh, through it's with killing. They kill all these right, people who are trying to do a good thing and be freedom fighters. And uh, there's a funny, like, it's like a dick measuring contest between Agent Elba and John Cena and that whole part and them going through and killing people. And then they find Rick Flagg at the end sitting with, um, oh, I forgot that woman's name. I've seen her. Alice Braga. Thank you, Alice Braga. Yeah. I think it's it... Alice. Oh, okay. Uh, I did not know that. No, so I've been calling her Alice Braga this whole I time. I didn't either. You know what? Let's call her Alice because I could be misremembering that. Okay. <laughs> so they find him sitting there and it's just like, uh, uh-oh, we killed everybody. They didn't say that, but like we killed everybody. Whoops. Um, pretty great scene. Uh, that's I really liked them together, John Cena and Idris Elba. Um, they're kind of back and forth, and that scene's like the best example of that. And mm-hmm. uh, Oh, we didn't bring up uh, – we didn't talk much about Idris Elba in general like because we all said we liked Will Smith in the first movie. But I think well, I did. I say that I liked oh. Will Smith. <laughs> Maybe you did not. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I I actually do like Will Smith okay. in that movie. But it's uh... Will Smith is just so charming and likable in anything he's in. Yeah, I feel like I heard like a lot of the problems in that movie were like he was trying. Like I feel like Will Smith was trying to make it all about him, and so that's why it feels. I remember reading one review that was like this is more like just a Will Smith movie than a Suicide Squad movie. But mm, I agree. Will I can see Smith, that is char no matter the movie he's in he's usually very charming yeah yeah so well we all we mostly more like more, more like will smooth if you ask me <laughs> oh boy can't you're, you're getting close to your limit on uh bad jokes <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding um uh, you can make as many as you want so this podcast is about uh <laughs> um but i even though i liked him in the first i would take idris elpa as Bloodsport like all day i feel like i don't know about you yeah guys. he's a more interesting character it feels like and he fits he's, more uh, in this world too. So he's also funnier, which that's not obviously the only thing you should like a character for. But he's just Idris Elba is just so funny when he when he can be, well, when also, the movie allows for it. Also, I just have to point out he's got all these little I'm just gonna call them Britishisms that <laughs> are just so like when um she's introduced when uh Amanda Waller is first introducing him to Peacemaker and she's like. His father trained him since he was a boy. Yeah, gives him the exact same um, backstory as him, and then just just a very British face. He's like, "Are oh, you having a laugh?" And just those little Britishisms that he's got are just so so likable. Yeah, and I feel like he's a guy that is not like he's trying to play comedy necessarily, but he is still funny somehow. He's like the straight man. Yeah, basically, but it's still it's still funny. Um, I I feel okay. like he just fits better. To what Mark said about Will Smith trying to make it like the Will Smith show in the first one, which I kind of had forgot that was like a story going around. But I feel like Idris Elba, even though he is, I guess you would say, like the main star, I feel like he just fits in better as the group and it just kind of it just works better overall. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, God. One of my favorite parts in the movie, and it was in the trailer, though, was the uh, that uh, whole meeting that they're having with Amanda Waller, just briefing them on the mission. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He just uh, King Shark just raises his hand like. And yes, <laughs> yes, that's her that hand. is your hand. And then he just is just like, we're all gonna die. And Polka Dot Man's like, I hope so. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Interesting that he said that. And he ends up dying. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I shouldn't laugh at that knowing that like what happens to him at the knowing end. Knowing the ending. Yeah. yeah. That is still a great scene. Kind of a scene that I wish I hadn't seen so many times in trailers. It was like the main trailer scene um, because it almost like I still liked it, but I just wish I kind of had seen it just come in the movie, not knowing that was going to happen. But uh, I mean, it's still funny, but it's just like one of those things that kind of got overplayed. You know what I mean? Because all the I kept seeing the trailer somehow. I don't know where I was seeing this constantly, but um, but yeah, no, still still a funny scene and kind of like gets more to the the heart of what I like about these kind of movies is like this goofy group dynamic of like them trying to coexist and they're kind of a, a disaster. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, um, I think one of the best examples of that, and one of my favorite uh, running gags in the movie is how scared of rats blood sport is. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly, I made this joke to myself earlier. I was like, so Ratcatcher pretty much has all the powers of Willard. Got it. Um, <laughs> and also, I was like really like skeeved out by that uh, image of her and her dad cuddling up and all the rats just huddle around them. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't like rats. And, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm with him. I'm like, yeah, well, he yeah. must have been absolutely horrified during the climax. The climax of that movie when she's just like, "This city doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them." And just the hordes of millions <laughs> of rats and uh, uh, Bloodsport just has to like huddle down and cover his face. Yeah, I was like, this city has a serious rat problem, is what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's real bad. Uh, that's another thing I thought was crazy. I, I really, sometimes I have these moments where I take in, like, what I'm watching a movie and, like, really think about how crazy it is. We're watching this giant, expensive movie where it ends with a giant alien starfish getting his brain eaten by rats. <laughs> like it, it did, it, it did <laughs> dawn on me, like, this movie, like, could not have been made like back in like 2008 when Iron Man and the Dark Knight came out. Yeah, I mean, it would have been real weird. <laughs> we weren't ready for that one. Yeah. I don't think. I don't know. That was the year that we got uh, Hellboy 2. And this isn't much weirder than that. True. That's but... just that not a lot of, I feel like not a lot of studios were willing to rip. I think, stu yeah, studios weren't willing to risk on like crazy ideas like that. But I think the public would have absolutely been accepting of it. Yeah, yeah. Hellboy, yeah, Hellboy's fun too. Because both movies, yeah, I like the second one better than the first one. But uh, I mean, it's Del Toro kind of getting to do this crazy super movie based off a superhero that's not well known. And I feel I always think about this. I don't know if you, I feel so bad for Hellboy too. It came out. I'm pretty sure literally the week before the Dark Knight came out. So it had yeah, no. It chance. came out right next to the Dark Knight. It just got obliterated it was like it might as well washed away by a tidal wave because i remember yeah. like everyone saying oh it's good it made decent money its first weekend and then like it was never heard from again <laughs> like dark what's, knight comes out it's just done what's <laughs> so funny thinking what's so funny thinking back to 2008 is because that's when the mcu started and what's so funny is i remember that year i was like watching um you know at the movies when it was in its dark times with the two bends uh before oh God. before it ultimately fizzled out but I remember them saying that they were calling that superhero summer because, yeah, the Hulk, uh, Iron Man, Hellboy 2, and the Dark Knight were all coming out that summer. Little would they know what that superhero <laughs> and comic book movies would just dominate cinemas yeah. for like the next 20 years. <laughs> Pretty insane. Yeah. How how crazy it got after that. Like that was really the beginning of like the this superhero wave and how big they've gotten. Um because, yeah, there's like a lot of flops before that. Like, um, 
I'm not going to say anything about the quality of these movies. I'm just going to say, you know, they didn't do that well. Like both Fantastic Four movies, I don't think did. I think the first one did kind of well, but uh, and then I'm, I did well I enough saw, to get a sequel. That's true. Yep. That's true. <laughs> I think it did well. And then the second one, I don't know. But uh, that Hulk movie that I saw a clip from that I think people now are trying to reassess and say is like a good movie. The Ang Lee Hulk. The Ang Lee. They're about. They're almost 20 years too late. I've been doing that since the beginning, <laughs> yo. I was gonna really? Say, I have always loved that movie. I haven't watched it in like 10 years, I think, but I loved it back when I watched it last. Wow. I couldn't get on board with season three. I mean, I I don't know. I just, I mean, I'll, maybe I should watch it again and try to come out. I want to deal with the Fantastic Four movies too. Watch them from like a fresh perspective after all these superhero movies. Uh, I will admit, I did recently rewatch the first Fantastic Four. And I actually kind of enjoyed it. See, yeah, see, I kind of enjoy it too, just knowing what it is. Like, you, you know what's so funny about that movie? I'm sorry, we're getting away from the Suicide Squad. That's fine. But <laughs> what's so funny about that movie is, like, I, I, I enjoyed it just for the campy comic book movie that it was at the time. But because what that came out in that came out in 2004, didn't it? That one was 05. 05, okay. But it was so funny because when you think about it, like, not a ton of the characters get a lot of development they're just you know they get like one-off things but the one character that like actually has emotional weight to him is the thing who just looks like a big orange turd the whole time (laughs) but because the makeup was not great in that movie you know what i do appreciate that they did make up and didn't make him cgi yeah, we got we did get a CGI thing about ten in, years later. Oh god, fan four stick. Listen, if somebody sat me down and said you've got to watch like the 05 Fantastic Four or the was it twenty fifteen Fantastic Four? I think so. I would definitely pick the 05 one because the Fantastic that looks like I'm I don't it looks miserable that movie. I've heard nothing good about that Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Ever. Here's um, a question for you. Would you rather watch Fantastic Four 2015 or rewatch Suicide Squad, the first one. Ooh. I'll watch Fantastic Four from 05. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I think I'll watch the Suicide. I think I'll watch the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. I would I would have to choose Suicide <laughs> Squad. Because yeah. at least, I mean, I, I haven't even seen the 2015's uh, Fantastic Four. So I don't know. Maybe I should give that oh, a chance. Yeah, oh, I misheard you. I misheard you. I thought you said the, the 05 Fantastic Four. If it's the 15 Fantastic oh. Four, I'll watch Suicide Squad from 2016. <laughs> yes, that was. Ab- okay. okay. I'm There's glad we're on the same Things with the same names here. It's like two Suicide Squads, two Fantastic Fours. <laughs> like, um, here's a question, Mark. I'm, I'm curious about this. How do you feel about Ben Affleck's Daredevil movie? Oh, man. I used to I used to love it when it first came out, but I was 13, so of course I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. I tried rewatching that recently. It, I that one does not hold up. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah. I I'll say this: I was I was 13 or 13 or 14, but I I kind of liked Ghost Rider when it came out. <laughs> Me too, honestly. Yeah. I I I need to rewatch both those too. I'm on like a whole like because I feel like I am okay with the first Ghost Rider. Uh, I don't even know if I saw the second one. Um, I think it's by the guys who did Crank, so I think it I heard is. it's like a little crazy. But uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, Mark, have you ever watched the Daredevil with the unrated director Scott? I always heard that's better. <laughs> it's 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 the same. Okay, <laughs> it's, wow. the same. it's the same. It is no crack. better or worse. It's just longer. Oh god! Yeah, I mean, it's funnier because Coolio's in it and he's ridiculous. <laughs> 
I've heard that. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Yeah. See, it's listen. I remember those like the super moves were getting back then. As some people are nostalgic for those now, like, but I would much rather have like this wave of like post two thousand eight superhero movies than like the Hulk, Daredevil. Uh, I still yeah. love the Rainy Spider Man movies. Oh yeah. No, I still Rainy love those Spider Mans are great, and I mean X Men Two holds up pretty well. Oh, X Two yeah, X Men United. Yeah, it, that's Matt. I know I've pitched this to you before, but I would really like to do an episode with you where we like list off like our top five favorite non MCU Marvel movies. Because X Two X Men United is on my list. I would listen to the shit out of that episode. <laughs> you guys got to do it. I do think the problem with that though is I remember saying to you we'd have like almost the same list. I feel like. Yeah, it's like Blade <laughs> X Two Spider Man Two. Two. It'd Just be the re- yeah. Rewatch Hulk, and one of you might have a different list. <laughs> <laughs> Things might change. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, but oh, uh, Logan's got to go on the list. So I'm pretty sure we would have the same list. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> yeah. It'd be, that's why I would like it. Otherwise, if it's a good idea, I just think it'd be like us saying the same movies. It'd be really quick. Took thirty minutes. Like we're done. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, what was I gonna say? Um, so yeah, James Gunn's Suicide Squad is circled. Yeah, back to about. back to the main topic. Uh, I mean, I feel like all of my stuff, my notes, I we we talked about. Um, and it's funny because I went into this thinking, oh, there's so much to talk about, and there is a lot like stuffed into this movie. But I, I feel like it works and James Gunn kind of keeps it all like he's juggling it all in the air kind of and nothing really falls and it, it flies by for being like it's only slightly over two hours. Um, I felt like it moved really well, too. So that was nice. Actually, well, the first night I saw the first time I saw it was opening night in an IMAX theater after a 10 hour work day. Ooh. And that night I I was I kind of felt like it was a little long, but I amazingly didn't fall asleep. Then when I rewatched it today, I was just like man, this thing flew by. I don't even, I don't feel like it's long at all. And I, I, I timed it. They get to Jotunheim and they've still got like 47 minutes left in the movie. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I that climax time. was really long and the climax somehow moves the quickest out of everything in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I want to rewatch it again. I've only seen it the one time because we're doing this literally the weekend it came out. So, yeah, and I um, saw it. I I saw it yesterday in the movie theater, and that's all I've seen of it. I I have it available to me, so I can rewatch it. Yeah, but uh, I mean, anybody else have anything specific they want to bring up? Any characters we didn't talk about? Any scenes we didn't talk about that you want to bring up? Or uh, a moment that I did think was pretty heartfelt and nice was well, actually, two I'll bring up. Uh, for Ratcatcher when she is summoning the huge horde of rats um, and she sort of has that flashback with her dad she's like why rats papa and he's like because rats are the lowliest and most despised creatures on earth and if they have a purpose then so do we and then it comes back to her just crying and smiling as the rats are coming I thought that was a really nice moment That I think that's beautiful but the first time I saw it I was still fuming about polka dot man's death <laughs> but I couldn't fully enjoy it I know I, yeah. it, it does upset me. Um, and the other moment is um, when Bloodsport's daughter is watching TV and she's like, that's my dad. And she has a moment of pride with, for him. I did like that. Yeah, that's good because it's not too much because we saw them fight like crazy earlier. So it's like now that's she's... the one like it's kind of a clever twist on the dead shot for to. Jesus Christ, I keep wanting to say blood. Sp- well, whenever yeah, I, I say blood sport, blood I keep shot. wanting to say bloodshot and dead <laughs> shot. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Yeah, that's like the one thing that's different about Bloodsport from Deadshot is that here too about this whole thing being a sequel, but it doesn't feel like a sequel. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's very because difficult. it clearly is following what happened before because right. Rick Flag has a relationship with Harley. Harley remembers Boomerang. <laughs> it's it's almost like a studio note to James Gunn. Like, all right, you could do a new character. Just find somebody else to do a character like Bloodshot or what is Deadshot? <laughs> like Deadshot. Right. It's it's like just taking a puzzle <laughs> piece and just trying to. One. Yeah, it's like taking a puzzle piece. It's just like, oh, well, we were missing that puzzle piece. OK, let's just put this one that sort of fits. <laughs> Very strange. Um, But I like I mean, I like it because I like Idris Elba as this character. And uh, oh, as much that... as, as ahead, I, I was just going to say, as much as Will Smith is one of the better parts in that movie for me, I do. Yeah, I definitely like Idris Elba better. I think he just fits better. And uh, mm-hmm. oh, I great moment i thought one of those moments where it pays off the whole like jumping around in time thing where rat catcher she's going to be killed by peacemaker john cena and then idris elba comes crashing down through all the floors of that building on that like concrete slab and ends up right in front of them i loved it in the movie theater I'm, i'm sorry go ahead Oh, no, I was just going to say, that's why I was raving about that, like, time jump earlier, because, like, that payoff was so awesome. Yeah. In that mo- in the movie theater, uh, my fiance, she was just sort of like, ooh, that is killer on the knees, though. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, you yeah. should be shot, right? Also, uh, since I watched in the theaters, I wasn't, like, keeping time. I was too entertained. But I-, I might go back in, or maybe one of you can tell me, it says eight minutes earlier. Was that... Is it possible that was like real time and it was actually like eight minutes after they introduced that and it got back to that scene? You know, when it happened today, I was actually going to try and time it and then I immediately forgot to. So hmm. I don't know, but it could be. Yeah, I'm curious now. I don't Wouldn't know, surprise I me. I want to watch. I'll definitely watch it again before it leaves HBO Max. Um, I think it leaves it like beginning of September. So I'll definitely watch it at least one more time. Ooh, um, we, sh- we do have to talk about. Uh, well, there's a couple King Shark moments I want to bring up first okay. quickly. Of course, the. Uh, when he goes into that like aquarium room and he's just like staring at his new dumb friends who he actually <laughs> calls new dumb friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then they end up all trying to eat him. God, that was like a, I thought that was a beautiful moment. And then when it turned at the end, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. when he walked in there that he was going to see like a shark in there, like have this really existential crisis. Oh, God, that would have been just as amazing. Just, like, the animation on King Shark is so great. Like, the texturing is really good on him. When they get those close-ups of his skin, it's, like, really textured, and it looks really good. I feel like the CG in DC movies is overall much stronger than it tends to be in the Marvel movies. Mm Because I'll watch, like... Batman v Superman, which came out in 2016, and I still think so much of that movie looks incredible. And then mm-hmm. I'll watch Avengers Endgame, and I'm like, man, this shit already looks dated. I still mm-hmm. love it, but um, I'm just this is just like a big CG jumble that you did rather quickly at the end of production. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, he does look good. I'm once again very happy he survived. They had me worried there for a little bit because uh, everyone was and, uh, dying. The like, other, right. uh, the other King Shark moment I wanted to bring up is when he's gonna eat Ratcatcher. Oh yeah. <laughs> when and she's then, still asleep, right? She's yeah. still asleep, and then she wakes up, and they're like, "You were about to be eaten." He's like, "She's like, no, Nanawe would never do that." Yeah. And isn't Blisha? He's just it... like, you "Go ahead, would. sorry." And then she calls all her rats on him, but then she's like. I just love that even though she's almost eaten, she's just so understanding and he's just like, no friends? <laughs> yeah. I forget exactly what he said, but like, 
God, there there are a lot for a movie that like pissed me off with how it treated one of its characters. There are a lot of heartwarming mo- moments in it for me, and yeah. that's one of them. Yeah, and, and there were mo- there were a few moments I did feel bad for King Shark because um like when they all go into the bar and he has to just wait in the car, I'm like, oh, I feel bad for him. He he doesn't get to yeah <laughs> yeah. There's something about like I was thinking this kicked in again my sympathy for like simple characters and i feel like king shark is like this like you know he's like murdering people left and right but he's a shark so what are you gonna do uh i felt bad for him a lot i was like oh this is like when he's like playing with like the fish in the aquarium like this is so sweet he's like such a simple a simple nice character i don't want anyone to Mm -hmm. hurt him even though he's he's a murderer technically (laughs) you know it's like um i just i want nothing bad to happen to king shark that i was just very nervous i was like he's a gem and no he is he is a gem and no harm must come to him (laughs) <laughs> oh god! I love when uh, Bloodsport and uh, Peacemaker first see him when Amanda Waller just opens the door and he's reading the book and they're just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "So smart, me." <laughs> Look, read. Wasn't the book upside down? Yeah, it was upside it was, down. Was... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great little comedic moments. I know, like, there's a lot of kind of jokes thrown out and not all of them hit, but there's a lot of good ones that land pretty well. I think so. Um, yeah, a lot of King Shark stuff works for me. All that stuff's good, I think. So, um, yeah, God bless Gunn for giving us like these big action stars doing just the most ridiculous things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I will say one thing about the movie, like how it looks and how it's shot. I feel like I thought it looked good. I thought it was like very bright and colorful, which I know sometimes these super movies get like, especially DC, is a problem with being very dark and like it's always rainy and you know, it's like nighttime and they're trying to cover up stuff. But I feel like this has very been like bright and colorful. And it's kind of been, that's kind of been DC's MO like since 2017 after justice league, like we've had Aquaman and wonder woman 84 and Shazam and they've been really trying birds of prey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Birds of prey. Actually, that's another question I wanted to ask you guys, which do you guys prefer the suicide squad or birds of prey? Oh man. That's, That's tough, tough because I've only watched <laughs> The Suicide Squad once. Since it's the fresher one in my mind, I sort of naturally want to say The Suicide Squad, but I would have to like watch them both back to back because I love Birds of Prey. See, yeah. Birds of Prey, I um oh sorry. Go on. Oh, Matt. sorry. No, it's tough. I'm with I'm with Ken because I've I've only seen each one once. I saw Birds of Prey in a theater and liked it a lot. And I actually even bought it on Blu-ray and still haven't rewatched it. Um, and uh, this one I just saw once. And I'm kind of inclined, like Ken, because it's a more recent one, to say Suicide Squad. But um, I like them both a lot. So, yeah, that's, that's a tough call. <laughs> I, I would definitely pick Suicide Squad. I like both of them, but Birds of Prey just has that constant Deadpool-esque fourth ball, fourth, fourth ball, fourth wall breaking <laughs> narration. This fourth that ball kind of. <laughs> Yeah. And that's she does break some of, balls in that. She does. She, oh, she definitely. Oh my God, she does. <laughs> but um, yeah, that narration just drives me crazy sometimes. And like this had a lot of those like kind of uh, gags in it, but it never got quite as obnoxious as in Birds of Prey, which I still like. I watched. I've seen both of them twice. I watched Birds of Prey again uh, the night before I saw Suicide Squad. But I got to give the edge to Suicide Squad just a little bit. Yeah, I will but say. I was, oh, Oh, I, was I just will say, say Birds of Prey. Oh my God! I'm. I'm. You just, go ahead. You go ahead. I'll, <laughs> this is tough for three people. Uh, Birds yeah, of ahead, Prey <laughs> had nothing that pissed me off as much as the uh, polka dot man death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you were mentioning how um, uh, a lot of these comic book movies have a hard time with um, uh, villains who are just villains from the get go. But I think uh, Roman Sionis uh, is like 
Ewan McGregor is fantastic in that movie. Oh, at 100%. He is just having the time of his life, and you know who he is from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a real great villain that you love to hate. Absolutely. But, As is uh, oh, sorry, Mr. Faz. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought he was a little underused because, you know, last time we saw Victor Zaz was in uh, Batman Begins, and he just had a really small part there, and they really didn't play up how insane he was in Birds of Prey. Really? I feel like I feel like I get it. I mean, I'm not too familiar with the character outside of the movie, so pretty my, much my most, all I know him from is Birds of Prey. My most exposure to him is in the Arkham games, and he is, like, seriously deranged in those. Yeah. <laughs> God, I gotta play those. They're so good. You really got to play them. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say about Birds of Prey compared to this? Um, ah, it's okay. I lost my thought. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm just happy. I am happy that DC is going this other direction now. With like, we should like Shazam, Birds of Prey, this. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting another one uh, where they're kind of course correcting and kind of uh uh there is some good stuff i i like the batman super versus superman director's cut ultimate cut whatever much yeah. more than i like that original cut like yes. night and day the snyder cut was so much better than the original justly cut like so i think dc's problem has been like being too uh like they didn't know what they wanted to do probably too imposing on like the directors and um just you know, didn't they were just like not they were kind of flailing their arms like they know what they actually want. So if they let just the people direct and kind of do the movie they want to do, I think things will turn out. Well, better I for think them. they um, I don't think it was so much that pr- I think that was a very brief problem kind of because originally they were a lot darker and much more serious, which I personally was actually a fan of. I liked the like the kind of 180 from Marvel where these movies are just taking themselves so seriously, like. Yeah, I, especially the director's cut. I love Batman v Superman, and I love, I love the director's cut. I love that yeah. that movie just essentially makes Batman a villain. And <laughs> but after that one, I think they were just like, "Oh shit, we got to watch out for Suicide Squad." And I wouldn't be surprised if the disastrous reaction to Batman v Superman is what led them to like uh, kind of go be- go behind David Ayer's back on Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, after that, we just got justice league and ever since then it's just been they've just been doing marvel movies and i feel like they haven't been getting in the director's ways too much yeah Yeah. well what's what's curious to me what i'm curious about is because this is another movie because you know um what i predict that they're going to be doing is just a lot more of the solo superhero movies without really connecting them as much um but it's just interesting to me that like Clearly, those who have already been established in previous movies, they're getting that um, that DC intro that they're putting at the beginning of all the movies where, you know, you get, like, uh, silhouettes of all the superheroes, you know, that opening that they're all getting. Yeah. But then there are other ones that are clearly not in this universe, like Joker. I doubt um, uh, the Batman with Robert Pattinson is going to have it. You know, for those that are clearly not established in the same universe. But I think DC's best bet now is to, yeah, just don't do the Marvel thing and just like tell individual stories of these characters and don't have them interconnect as much. Yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, I always love it when they try to interconnect, but yeah, they, um, well, I guess they would have done it well if Snyder got to do justice league, but we got, we got the weed and cut and, uh, yeah, they didn't do that very well. So maybe it is best <laughs> that they just stick to the, like, uh, individual stories. Individual stories. I yeah. felt like it was so frustrating because DC seemed like they were so desperately, trying to catch up with Marvel and they rushed 
into like something like just you should not rush into Justice League. And they rushed into it so poorly. And it was like such a mistake. And because uh, Marvel at least spent time building up most of their superheroes before they went to Avengers. But DC yeah. was like, we got to catch up. We got to catch up. But, but what's and, weird is yeah. what's weird is, you know, you think. um so the first Avengers came out in 2012. The first Iron Man came out in 2008. So that's four years apart. Man of Steel came out in 2013. And Justice League came out in 2017. So that's four years apart. So somehow in the same amount of time, Marvel did it so much better and, and built up so much better. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, we're also getting Wonder Woman. In well, there, there was a, uh, <laughs> that's true. Wonder yes. Woman is good. There was a three-year gap between Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman. DC didn't do anything in that time, whereas yep. in that four-year gap between Iron Man and Avengers, they had like four or five movies building up to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just like, was planned out so much better. I mean, like, uh, listen, you'll give Kevin Feige shit for a lot of things, but the guy knows how to... <laughs> he's putting together something over there at that Marvel Universe. Like, things interconnect oh, yeah. well. Like, there's a there's a, there's a a controller. There's someone at the controls, basically. And, like, DC seemed like they didn't have that person running the, uh, the things behind the scenes. So... I don't know, but hopefully they get their shit together. I mean, so we will uh, we will see. I don't even know what's up next for them. Is it it's Batman? But that's like, isn't the Batman Robert Pattinson not that connected? Everything else is that I don't. The only thing I can imagine them doing to connect it is since Ben Affleck is gone. The only thing I can imagine them is like Flash pointing into his universe and being like, hey, our Batman's gone. We need you to join our team. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for that Flash movie because. They, oh, because Michael Keaton's going to be in it. I know. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is all like hearsay. So I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, um, but Michael Keaton's confirmed to be in that Flash movie. Um, and apparently, they're saying Ben Affleck's Batman's supposed to be in that movie too. So, wait, I'd really? Be surprised if, yeah, that's what I heard. I'm, I, once again, everyone takes for granted salt. I don't know. But, um, you know what I say? I say put Brendan Roth in that movie. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it okay cool another another superman returns defender love superman returns. yes gotcha okay um sounds like someone's <laughs> got google home's gone off in the back <laughs> sorry yeah that was my google home in the back somehow i thought i was talking to it my bad like, oh shit that's DC right google <laughs> superman returns is awesome okay good to know another superman returns uh defender <laughs> I, I i've never seen that hey movie, actually, you know so what you're yeah. do you know what your superman returns came out in Oh six. Oh six, baby. That's right. It's Mark's year, baby. <laughs> okay. So I didn't have to joke about the Da Vinci Code. We came to two thousand six eventually. It's the it yep. happened naturally when you're here. That uh. Also, it's funny that that all those movies are having fifteenth anniversaries this year. So it's like it's your perfect time now. Uh, that's, I haven't been celebrating any of them. I oh. have what? What the hell am I doing? Oh my! I got so many to catch up on. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about one soon with me, you, and Hayden. So, that, I've never that, seen Oh my god, that is true. I can't wait. You've never seen either one of these movies, um, and I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm, I'm still I excited. I guarantee you will like one of them. That's right, listeners. You're just aching to know what they are. You'll just have to <laughs> tune in for a few episodes. Yeah, it should be relatively soon. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I can't think of much more on Suicide Squad besides to say that I really liked it. I want to watch it again. I... Uh, I'm curious where they go from here. If they return to this property or if this is it, I don't know. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, but uh, I, I don't know. It should be, uh, should be interesting where they go next. So, I mean, obviously they have some sort of plan to return with the uh, peacekeeper scene at the end of the credits, but right. He's getting his own HBO show, which 
that okay we talk about that for a second wait because is he he is yeah 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 that's the plan they've already made it (laughs) oh my god yeah actually in the interview in the interview i watched with james gunn yet again he was saying like oh man i've seen the peacemaker tv series and you guys are in for a treat okay well i I, i'm not good at watching tv shows but i'm neither am i neither am i but (laughs) i can usually with the marvel stuff on disney plus they drop those like weekly and if I get in from the first episode and can have a whole week to catch up, I can do that kind of thing. But like when you drop it all at once, it's like I'm not binging like, you know, 13 hours, 10 hours, whatever. Like um, it's easier for me on the weekly shows, honestly, like Mandalorian, the Marvel shows. Like I can keep up with that, but it's like I can't keep up with too much else. But um, but yeah, Peacekeeper's happening. It's already done. They've already made the show. And I had Peacemaker, I, right? Yeah. Right. Peacemaker. You said <laughs> yeah, Peacekeeper. Oh, ah, damn it. There's so many names on this episode. <laughs> Can't keep them all straight. Um, yeah, he, they, uh, I, I could have sworn somebody said it's a prequel series, which made me think he was really dead. Because I'm like, oh, well, he's dead. That's fine. They did a prequel series. Apparently, no, he is still alive in a Suicide Squad, and it's a continuation from the movie. So um, that'll be interesting. I, I don't know. But, uh, oh, my God. I hope they bring back... Uh... I don't know. Some of these characters, obviously not Harley Quinn because she's too expensive, but <laughs> I would yeah. kill to see Ratcatcher again. Yeah, absolutely. She, like I said, out of the all the new characters, I think she's my favorite. No, yeah, loved her. Yeah, she's she's pretty great. Everyone seems they love her. So that's, that's good. We're all everyone's on board for that. So um, anything else you guys want to say to wrap it up here? Or? Um, I actually uh, have a theory that I want to say to you guys. All right. Uh, so yeah, well, it's not really a theory about like in the universe. It's about how James Gunn and uh, Sylvester Stallone became good friends. Yeah. Oh, so okay. yeah, so you guys know obviously he was in uh, Guardians two. So and in the interview with with James that I was watching, he was talking about like yeah, well you know Sylvester Stallone, you know we're good friends, and he did this as a favor to me. And at first I was thinking like, man, how did James Gunn like become friends with this like living legend of a filmmaker? And then I thought, okay, well, James Gunn has been involved with Troma for a long time. And do y'all know about uh, Lloyd Kaufman's connection with Rocky? I don't. I feel like I've heard it before, but (laughs) I don't remember it. That's how I feel. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah. So so Lloyd Kaufman apparently helped John G. Evelton, like, scout locations for Rocky. And actually, that's in when he won the Oscar for best director, he actually thanked Lloyd Kaufman at the Oscar. So you, you get to hear Lloyd Kaufman's name spoken at the Oscars, which is kind of bananas. <laughs> oh my but, God. Yeah. But um, yeah, actually that uh, scene of Rocky in the first movie, carrying the bum into the bar and plopping it on a chair, that's Lloyd Kaufman. Damn, so what? yeah. So, and you know, Lloyd Kaufman is in the first guardians movie. So I think maybe through the mutual friend of Lloyd Kaufman, they became friends. Interesting. I thought that I heard Blake be... Hoffman somewhere in this movie too. It wouldn't surprise me, but I I couldn't find him. I didn't see him. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> see him. Um, I, I I was looking for him. I didn't see him. I just found this out today. But did you guys know who played that uh, redheaded dancer at the uh, bar? I heard about this. Another Ooh. name I can't pronounce. Palm Kit. I can't say. Palm Clementine. I don't know who. I don't know how to say her name. But, but we all know who she is. Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, right? Yes. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Did not yeah. know that. <laughs> I just had that pointed out to me last night and like couldn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all either. So I'm trying to um, think if there are any other cameos that I'm forgetting. 
You know, I will say one more thing about the beginning. Like, aside from, like, being annoyed that, like, it's just an overused gag of introducing characters and then just immediately killing them off, I would, like, genuinely kill to see, like, Nathan Fillion in the rest of this movie. Yeah. So yeah, I thought, that... I mean, I always <laughs> love him, but I thought he was kind of hilarious in that opening. I did, <laughs> I did like him. That was a really, that made me laugh really hard when, like, he sends his arms off and like, <laughs> yeah. slapping people. And then Margot Robbie is like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, is the detachable kid? <laughs> so, oh, my so God. Stupid. So I, ridiculous. I love that these ridiculous DC characters that like nobody wanted are in this movie. Yeah. Like Polka Dot Man, Detachable Kid, like Javelin. Yeah. Like no one gives a shit Mongal. about Mongol. Yeah, Mongol. <laughs> um, like no one, the weasel. I'm sure he's a person somewhere in the comics. I don't know anything about him, but uh, yeah, played by Sean Gunn. Apparently, I, I oh, found yeah. out. Yeah. I am not surprised. I knew he had to be in this movie somewhere, right? Hey, you know, I've got yeah, is Sean Brothers. Gunn <laughs> also that guy who uh, walks by and at the beginning of the movie when we're introduced to Polka Dot Man, this guy like yells at him like, "Hey, what did you come from? Yes, that was Sean Gunn. Yes, he's he, yep, that's him too. And apparently, uh, that's He's Calendar Man, who's like a Batman villain. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, well, that's who that was, I thought. <laughs> that was. So, yeah, we're saying Sean Gunn has a has a cameo, like in no, not no makeup, really. And he's playing Calendar Man, who's like a kind of a B level, I would say, Batman villain, um, but has some good stories. I think he did. Was he Hush? Was that his story, Ken? Do you know? I have Long no Halloween, idea. I think. Um and like, yeah, so he kills on like specific holidays, basically. But yeah, he's like a B. Someone pointed out they love the gag of a B level villain yelling at a C level villain <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and making fun of another, like, you know, talking down to him like he's so awesome. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little stuff. See, that's why I got to watch it again, too. I feel like there's so much little stuff that I probably uh, missed the first time I watched it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I will. One like kind of more serious moment I'll bring up is um, the uh, Harley Qu- after Harley Quinn just well, first off. When Harley Quinn just fucking kills the president after he talks about (laughs) killing children, I'm just like, that came out of nowhere and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then her little speech about how she, uh, like, whenever she notices a red flag, she promised that she would kill the guy because the guys that she's into don't tend to go away that easily. Uh I was just like, that was an awesome speech. Yeah, when your taste in men is as bad as mine, they don't just go away. And and, and I love, she's given this whole speech, like, just so casually while he's, like, dying on the floor. (laughs) He's, like, pawing, like, to crawl away for his life. And she's like, well, you know, I was just thinking, you know, like, so casually as he's dying there. (laughs) Oh, no, she's still great. I, yeah, I mean... A lot of good things to say about Suicide Squad. So I'm tr- I'm not yeah. trying to keep the episode That's going. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm the guy that like has the long episodes, but since <laughs> it is a James Gunn centric movie, James Gunn centric, he directed the thing. It's just a James Gunn movie. He yeah. um, we should probably talk about the soundtrack. How did we feel about the soundtrack? Because I gotta say, when this thing started and Folsom Prison Folsom Blues Prison came, Blues baby, I thought that was great. Even if it was yeah. uh, pretty obvious, just having that playing while someone's sitting in prison. Um, I read a great letterbox review where it was just someone was just like, man, this song completely changed the way I'm look or this movie changed the way I look at Folsom Prison view- Blues. Whenever I hear that song now, I'm only going to think of prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is pretty fantastic, actually. <laughs> But yeah, um, I thought um, I absolutely love the soundtrack. Like people also, little fun fact, uh, People Who Died, which is the song that plays at the opening credits, 
also plays over the end credits of the James Gunn written Zack Snyder directed Dawn of the Dead remake. Wow. And I want to know if that was like a little nod to that or if it was just like it was it was just a coincidence. Which was what? Which that movie (laughs) opens with a uh, with a Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Yep. comes. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> it's all coming I together, guys. Like, hey, I, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but this this movie features a song from Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, and my friend was like, "If it's the man who comes around, I'm gonna the man comes around, I'm gonna faint." And I was just like, "You're not gonna faint." <laughs> but gonna that would have been cool because honestly, every movie should have the man comes around in it. See, I I remember the Dawn of the Dead 2004 remake ending with uh, "Down with the Sickness." So it's got the two end credit sequences. There's a like jokey one after Jake Weber kills himself where uh, they're like, it's like telling the story of them going to that island. And that's where people who died plays. And then after they get to the island and are attacked by the zombies, that's when down with the sickness kicks right. in. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about the first part. Yeah. I actually uh, only alert for Dawn of the Dead guys. If you haven't seen that uh, <laughs> movie from 17, 17 year old. Movie. I, well, actually, you know, what's so funny. Uh, I only saw that movie for the first time a few months ago. Matt showed it to me. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I had never like seen it? it. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. Of course, not as great as the original, but it was fantastic. Absolutely. You Love know, what's that. so you know what's so funny, Matt? When you showed me that movie, we it opened up with like that interview because we watched the extended director's cut, and it opened up with that interview with Zack Snyder. He's like, "Well, you know, the movie's a little longer." And I'm thinking, "Oh, Zack, if you only knew how long your movies would get." <laughs> it's true. That was great timing. That like Snyder cut like just came out. It was like this cut's a little longer, guys. And I was like, "Oh, Zack, you have no idea how long these <laughs> movies can get." Yeah, like Ken said, like uh, it's like, "No, no, you're gonna have a much longer cut down the road." Yeah, um, the Dawn of the Dead director's cut isn't even half as long as the Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, another movie. I, I don't want to talk about the Snyder cut too much, but another movie that for being like. Is it four hours? It's a four hours, right? That I mm-hmm. thought it moved really well for being four hours long. Like, I was shocked at, like, you know, I watched it one day and I don't, I don't have a good attention span. So I was like, but that four hours of Snyder Cut, I felt like just flew by. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, God, four hours of Snyder Cut. The fuck? And then I was like, oh, this is, this is going fine. <laughs> so just thought it was interesting. I don't know. Um, because it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty great. Here's a question. I, listen, I'm going to drag this out, too. But uh, <laughs> for end of the year 2021 lists, like people who are their top 10 best of the year list, do you think Snyder Cut should count? Uh, it better because it's yeah. probably my favorite movie of the year. I've been debating this because I, I think it like, should count. OK, I keep a list, you know, like because I plan to do a show on the top 10 of the year and I it's on my list. But I'm like, is this really going to count? Because it's not I guess it's it's different enough. I feel like it feels like a whole different movie. It so. is a, it is, and I mean, yeah, it's a completely different movie, and I mean, it's listed on Letterbox or all these movie yeah. websites yeah. as a yeah. separate movie, so it should count. That's yeah. true. And I, I mean, Matt, you, you, you told me it went from a four out of ten to an eight out of ten for you. Yeah, it was like I, I'm a huge jump for that movie. Like it was crazy. So I was just curious why you brought it up. I was like, I gotta ask somebody about this because it's this weird movie person thing that I'm struggling with. <laughs> I'm going to remember also, this. And if that movie is not mentioned on that list, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, if anything, it will be an honorable mention. It may get bumped out of the top 10. But fair it's, enough. It's only the year's barely halfway over. They're still, you know, all the they're still backloading this year. So that's true. You still have to watch Space Jam. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Mark, have you seen that? No. 
Oh, well, I, I, I watched I Tom and Jerry, so I didn't have to watch Space Jam. <laughs> You're like, I put myself through enough already. No, <laughs> I watched I watched Space Jam, uh, A New Legacy, and there were little moments that I thought were fun, like when they were like traveling through a whole bunch of different Warner Brothers properties. It was cute, but there was legitimately only one joke that uh, made me laugh out loud. Um, and spoiler alert to all you people who want to see Space Jam, A New Legacy. Um <laughs> But yeah, there's this great moment where the Toons and LeBron are all, they're losing the game. And then Sylvester the Cat comes in. And he's just like, guys, everything's going to be okay. I found Michael Jordan. And you see the silhouette walking into the room and there's all this tension built up. And then Michael B. Jordan comes out of the shadow. And, and LeBron is just like, that's Michael B. Jordan. He's an actor. I'm like, okay, that's really funny. That's okay, like one of the better yeah. jokes in the movie. Yeah, that's like... I'll give it to him. That's That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's funny is my friend my my friend Connor called it he's just like it's gonna be Michael B. Jordan and as soon as he walks out I'm like oh good call Connor I'm so surprised he called that Ken now I gotta put spoiler warnings for Space Jam A New Legacy on this episode (laughs) I'm so sorry furious with me if they (laughs) they have that film spoiled for me I I know that 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 mark in cinema in cinema history man now here's another question I'm I'm really dragging this out but (laughs) a movie like Nomadland that is a 2020 release, but I had literally no way to see it till 2021. Is it? A, can I count as 2021 movie? I mean, you could, <laughs> but no one would recognize that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Matt, this is not recognized by the Academy of uh, Top Ten of the Year list. No, I thought so, but I was like, I really like that movie. But it came out on Hulu in like January, February, but I had no way to watch it before that. Um, all right, all right. This is good to clear the things up now on this podcast. I feel like <laughs> people are probably riveted right now. <laughs> um, what'll be on Matt's top ten list and what won't be and what will count. Um, okay. Yeah, Space Jam New Legacy will be on there. No, no, it won't, Ken. Uh, <laughs> watch me say that and I watch it and I'm like, my God, my eyes are open to the glory of cinema again. I've seen Space Jam in <laughs> Yep, I haven't felt this uplifted since I finally watched Ferdinand. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I think for your birthday, like, I should probably let you do a podcast on Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> it's underrated. It's a cute movie. I think for your you. birthday, you should have a Ferdinand quote along. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw you a Ferdinand-themed birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> With a big Ferdinand pinata. Yeah. I go to, like, Party City, and they're like, we don't sell Ferdinand merchandise <laughs> here, sir. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I have a friend most... who needs this. No, I'm doing. I'm getting this for a birthday party. Ah, oh, cute. What is he? Seven? No, he's a 28 year old man. Actually, he's turning 29. <laughs> this is the most that Ferdinand has been mentioned since Ferdinand came. <laughs> out. And God bless us for it. That's a lot of Ferdinand airplay. Okay, we should really probably wrap this up because now yeah. we're talking about Ferdinand and a bunch of nonsense. Um, all right. Uh, well, thank you guys for doing this. This was this was fun. Yeah, um, the Suicide Squad. It was it was great. Uh, it is now the Suicide Squad that I think of when I when I hear that title. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if um, you haven't seen it, watch it. Especially since you've listened to this whole thing and you know all the twists in it already. <laughs> we spoiled everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, had I known about the polka dot man thing beforehand, I probably would have uh, been less angry. <laughs> that's true. We might be helping here doing this, uh, but uh, but yeah, well, I'm glad we all like liked it, or, you know, some, loved it basically. I don't know if I can speak for everybody, but uh, liked it, really liked it, whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm very tired now. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, Ken, I will let you, do you have anything to plug, Ken? Uh, no, again, not on Twitter, but uh, 
not on Twitter. Fairly, fairly soon. Yeah. Matt, Matt tells me it's probably for the best. Uh, fairly <laughs> soon, I will be on uh, Lindsay Wilkins' podcast, uh, Schlock and Awe. And uh, yeah, I'm actually recording that later this month. And I'm pretty excited about the double feature because um, that there, there are two movies that I actually like. One I especially love. So I'm excited for it. I know what it is. And it's an insane pairing, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken, I thought you were going to plug your wedding in September. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> yeah. September 18th. Uh, check it out, everyone. Um, Everybody's invited to Ken's wedding. <laughs> every single listener of the Film Feast podcast is invited. I was literally about to like give the address of my <laughs> wedding, but then I thought, you know, what, you know what? God forbid anyone who's in Virginia hears this and actually does show up. <laughs> and then you, you turn them away. You feel bad. Yeah, I'm like, oh, guys, it was a joke. Was a These joke. people just show up with their Film Feast t-shirts on. We love the podcast. And you're like, we don't even have t-shirts. How did you get those? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you make those yourselves? I'm flattered. Uh, hey, you guys are major fans. I didn't even know about you guys. You should have told me. Um, yeah. And then so Matt be... being my groomsman, I'll just throw him to the crowd. And yeah. we'll, all, we'll all escape <laughs> while you're attacked. Yeah. I'm I'm in that wedding. So, yeah, that, that should be fun. But anyway, uh, so, uh, Mark, do you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, but I, too, will be on Schlock and uh, here soon, reporting mine later this month, too. It's a uh, r- double feature inspired by a uh, pop song, by a pop song and a stupid tweet I made earlier. God bless Lindsay for being like, I'd love to do an episode on that. <laughs> well, I'll um, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm also going to be on an episode of Inside the Sequel talking about uh, my boy Michael Bay's Transformers Dark of the Moon. And uh, as we have teased numerous times on this episode, I will be back on Film Feast to talk about a uh, very unique double feature. <laughs> yes. Yeah, lots of double features. You're very yeah. busy. This is good. I'm glad you're on all these podcasts. I'll say... You can follow me on Twitter at, at the shape 14 That's at capital the underscore capital shape 14 mm. Yes. Halloween uh, fan, I can tell. Uh, like me some Halloween. Absolutely. Just like, I just like shapes, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize. I do apologize. I felt like I kept interrupting you there, Mark. But I, yeah, I will say it's for... back for all the times I interrupted you. It's fun. <laughs> no, um, I will say for my appearance on Schlock and Awe, the only connection I can make for the double feature is the main character has like a secret pal. That's, that's the only thing I can imagine being the connection. But she pitched it to me and I loved it. All right. All I'm right. looking forward to it. I always love Schlock and Awe. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it was funny, Mark, when you started talking when you said I will also be on Inside the Sequel. I thought you were going to say I will also be at Ken's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling all the way. Wait, Mark, where do you live? You will also be in Inside the Sequel at Ken's wedding. Special yeah. live wedding episode. <laughs> live yeah. wedding episode. Everyone's re- people at the wedding are just like, why are those guys like recording a podcast in the middle of this thing? <laughs> <Ken's wedding. laughs> uh, people trying to listen to the podcast are like, why is Sweet Caroline playing in the background of this podcast? <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> man, oh boy, this is really going off the rails. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, I've lost control. It's fine. Uh, the, thank you for sending, bringing up Lindsay's uh, Schlock and All podcast, though, because I need to plug the episode I just did, which was sheer madness. And I, uh, God bless Lindsay because she lets us do these ridiculous double features that nobody else would, uh, I don't think, allow. Because I did a double feature of um, the Stanley Kubrick classic, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and the Disney Channel original movie classic, Smart House. Uh, directed by LeVar Burton. So, <laughs> two of the greats. Yeah. 
I have to say, I just started listening to that episode, and I feel like up until this point, I thought the double feature I was going to be doing was going to be the most ridiculous one, and then uh, that episode was announced, and I'm like, all right, I feel a little better now. No, I think I really, I told Lindsay I like to put the schlock and all, like really, I really like to go for the title, like I really like to bring both to the thing. Um, so yes, um, so yeah, thank you. Let's check that out. I had a lot of fun doing that one. Um, so that was a good time. And I will just say, you know, follow this podcast, the usual places, um, on Twitter at film feast pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at map lady seven, and you can follow, um, me and the podcast on Instagram at film feast, all one word. Um, uh, thank you guys so much for doing this. This was, this was a ton of fun. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys and we will see you all next time. Bye everybody.